Welcome to episode 132 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. I apologize, this one is kind of late. It's uh, it's Friday night now. It's like 10 o'clock on Friday night. Yeah, I haven't gotten this one out. So we didn't I'm have up a, past my bedtime. I know, we didn't have a live episode. It's only, it's only like two-thirds of us are here because it's Friday night. And it's I 10 a, o'clock. I needed to record an intro for this episode, but uh, we we took this week off of a, live, of a live show, but I do have some recordings from the Corpus Christi show. So there's two recordings from that that are on this episode. We have Randy Moore of Scaly Pets and Friends. That was a really interesting one. Mm-hmm. Some pretty cool stories. And then our buddy, Russell Southard from WWRD. What would Russell do? I can hear my kid. I can hear her too, but hopefully no one else Yelling can. at the dogs. So okay. if anybody can hear that, it is our kid just yelling at the dogs in the backyard at 10 o'clock at night. I'm because sure our neighbors. she's barking at the neighbor's uh, dog. Anyways, so Randy and Russell. And then I also added in Lee and Amanda Reddy of Reddy's Rainforest which we interviewed at the Brian College Station show mm-hmm. about chameleons. Yeah. So, uh, Also an awesome interview. That was a really good interview. So that is this episode, and then there will be another Brian College Station episode coming out in probably about a month, because that's kind of my goal is to put out a show episode every month. We might start doing it on the same night that we have Girl Scout meetings, which are going to be on Tuesdays. We'll see. So Otherwise, I just won't be here for that episode. <laughs> so we'll have... Another Brian College Station show. And then we have, we just did Conroe. And we have a bunch of Conroe interviews. I don't even know, like, I I think I look back on the weekend and I think about how busy we were at the front. And how I, I guess because we did all of our recordings from like 3 p.m. to 4, 3 to 5. I guess that's why I was able to get away. The Conroe ones will be interesting when they come out because all the people in the Conroe ones were ones that didn't want to do the interviews. And then when they were done, they were like, oh. This was, was not bad. It was not as bad. We could do this for a longer show. It was so, great. So that one may come out probably in two months. Again, the goal is for us to be able to take a week, at, a week off every month and then also bring you some great interviews from shows. But before we get into this episode, let's go ahead and do our sponsor stuff. So, oh, Katie drops her phone. Sorry. It closed on me. It, it, it was open. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Son Jesus. of a bitch. Okay, we're good. There you go. <laughs> if you're looking for a high-quality PVC rack, look no further than Lone Star Reptile Racks. They offer a variety of sizes for all types of snakes, geckos, rats, and more. You can even order something custom. Shipping is available, or you can plan to pick up at a Herps Reptile Show near you. Visit ellisreptileracks.com to reach out to Lone Star Reptile Racks and place your order today. And speaking of, I have the pulled up for the Herb Reptile shows uh, this weekend. As this goes out, hopefully tonight, if I can get it done tonight, uh, this weekend is New Orleans, September 17th and 18th. They are in New Orleans, Louisiana. Then October 15th and 16th is Waco, Texas. And then November 5th and 6th is Lafayette, Louisiana, which is when Troy plays University of Lafayette. So we'll probably be in Lafayette oh, part no, of the show. I've- Oh, we'll be there for part of the show. I've already booked hotels. We'll be there for the weekend for sure. Yes, and then we'll be there for a football game as well. <laughs> and then November 12th and 13th, that is our home show. That is the Pearland Show. That's the first Pearland Show. So if you're listening to this, please come out to that show. And, oh, yeah. And it's be a uh, great show. Let's try and pack that one. And then December 3rd and 4th is the Austin, Texas show. That's home of Corey Martin, who's going to be on our next. She's on our Bryant College Station list. I'm looking at the people that we interviewed. Oh, gotcha. We have Corey Martin. I was at the front for that one. I missed that interview. She's not on this episode, but she will be on the next uh, episode of live interviews. And then the Slidell, Louisiana show is December 10th and 11th. That's the last one of the year. That is uh, your last chance to get Christmas presents. 
Yep. The Slidell Show. And then they kick off the, uh, the year with Oklahoma City on January 14th and 15th and Longview, Texas on January 21st and 22nd. And then Conroe is the weekend after that. Yeah, because it's my birthday weekend. It's your birthday. So, uh, so yeah. So, enjoy this episode. Like I said, two of the interviews at the beginning are from the Corpus Christi show, which you would have heard if you listened to our last, it was probably three episodes, four episodes ago, was when we released the first part of the Corpus Christi interviews. That was when we talked to um, Amanda from the Texas Sea Life Center, where we got to see sea turtles for the first time ever. That was awesome. That, that was that was the highlight of that trip. That, yeah, that was really cool. Being up close to sea turtles. So this is the rest of those interviews. That's going to be great. Uh, Russell's got some great stories. Uh, amazing corn snakes. He's the reason that I have corn snakes in my snake room. Well, not the reason I have them, but the reason I have some of them. The reason you have some recent purchased corn snakes. <laughs> and it's also the reason that you got some crabs for your classroom. I did. I recently got some Halloween crabs or Halloween moon crabs. Yeah, during at, uh, at, at Conroe. Conroe. He had, we, we talk about it on the, on the Conroe interviews. And oddly enough, well... You'll get to it, but let's just say he had the largest crab I've ever seen. It's an Indonesian fiddler crab. It was you insane. Google it. Yeah, Google that thing. It's worth a Google. It's very cool. So, but enjoy this. We will be back next week. It may just be on, on us episode, me, you, and Robert. I'm undecided. But there's definitely some topics I want to talk about. There's a lot of stuff that's happening in the hobby. Cool. So I'm looking forward to another live episode. Enjoy this one. And uh, thanks for listening. Bye. All right, we are back here at the Herps Corpus Christi show, and we have Randy Moore from Scaly Pets and Friends. How's it going, Randy? Going well. How about you? Good. I, I can't believe we haven't had you on yet because you have lots of very interesting stories, and I don't know why we've never had Randy on. He's I'm, got cool stuff at his table, too. It is a cool stuff at his table. So I guess we'll go with with Scaly Pets and Friends first, and then we'll get into the fun stories. All right, sounds good. All right, so what all... What all do you keep? You you run. You're basically a like a, a a mobile pet store, right? So yeah, we pretty much. Um, I'm not. I'm interested in everything. So I'm not interested in just the just one type of snake or one type of insect. I keep a little of everything. So it's kind of like the business evolved the same way. I get bored really fast, and so <laughs> it, I have to have a lot of things going on all the time. I feel that. And how long have you been at this, Randy? I have been in the reptile business now for probably about 45 years. Oh, wow. That's, That's longer awesome. than I had a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm older than I look, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Much older than you look, absolutely. But, um, we got back into it when I got together with Karen, and um, we've been doing it now for about four years, I guess, five. I did it for a while back in the early 2000s. It kind of peaks and flows, you know. Yeah, it's... What, so what are you currently breeding anything or? Oh yeah, we, we work with a lot of stuff. We've got, um, we've got a number of colubrids. We do a bunch of different king snakes, milk snakes. Uh, we breed retics. We, um, we just got 42 eggs Jeez. from her that just hatched out a few weeks ago. Oh, wow. Um, we work with leaf tail geckos. We've bred the giant leaf tails and the oh, lion cool. leaf tails. Um, tortoises. We do redfoots, yellowfoots. We got yellowfoot eggs in the incubator right now so that is a wide variety of things yeah. to go from we have monitors too right we we don't i don't keep any permanently okay. um i'll eventually have a black dragon when, yeah. when, when they finally become affordable a little more reasonable yeah <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to sell your car to buy right. one yeah. yeah 
Yeah, that's a cool lizard. It's not a cool lizard yeah. that because it's, it's a lizard you have to give a huge chunk of like you do, space in to. A big area. That's yeah. and that's our problem. You know, when you're a retic fan too, if you want to give them a halfway decent enclosure, you've got a lot of eight and ten foot enclosures stacked up in it, your room. You just put it in a Rubbermaid tub, yeah. right? Just put a yeah. little tiny yeah. tub in a closet. Yeah. 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 No, that's what they ask at the shows all the time. Can it live in that? <laughs> Would no. you live in that? Right. Uh, yeah. That's it always amazes me when people come to a show and they see like non. Especially like the PETA people when they come to a show and they take pictures of like the displays. And you look at what they keep these in. Yes. Well, for three days. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not not living when, in this thing. When people ask me about that, I say, imagine if you had to live in just your bathroom. Yeah. yeah. Or just your car. You went from yeah. one place to another and you're all just living. Yeah. Or or they see a strip of LED lights and they're like, oh, is that all you have to do for it? I'm like, no, sir. That's <laughs> it's two days at a reptile show. When they get home, they have UVB, they have their heat, they have everything that they need when they get there. Exactly. You no, know, so. Yeah, I'm always. I, it's it's the whole lack of common sense thing. That's that always happens. the first thing that gets unpacked after a show. Like we'll animals. unload, we'll unload the whole car, and everything just ends up in the living room. But then the animals always get yes. unpacked first. Yeah, and then no the rest of the yard, stuff got to be done. Yeah, exactly. No matter how tired you are, they get put back where they go in their correct. Well, and we only, and for for us, we always have it's just a few animals. I mean, for you, it's a, it's a large variety of different animals. I imagine that unpacking process takes a while especially when you're driving a long show like if it takes you five six seven eight hours to get back home and then you're having to unpack stuff i mean i guess there's some things you're like well maybe some of these things could go tomorrow morning well we actually look at it like this um some of the shows just for sheer distance purposes are a two-day event to get home mm-hmm. because you can't get out of here before 5 30 6 o'clock it's impossible yeah you know so if you're going to get home at two or three or four in the morning you know why not stop somewhere get some sleep get home and then the minute you pull up you can start taking everything out so you can kind of unpack when you get home at night based on the type of animal it is you know if it's a if it's a frog or an amphibian that can really mess up its container on the drive home those have to be put away yeah uh the snakes that are in adequate size containers you can put them up you know later on that morning after you get up or whatever and get everybody put back up kind of depends on what you're dealing with and and the quantities of them yeah like a tortoise can sit there for a little bit it'll be fine sure yeah yeah but and a lot of them travel in nice size cages, and so they are okay to wait till we get, till we get them put up. You're right. A lot of the stuff at your table, especially, a lot of their display mm. enclosures are really good. Because I like some, like your, yeah, your table. You have cages, like you have actual mm-hmm. cages set up. It's not just yeah. little tiny boxes for a lot of the stuff. Some of the bigger snakes. And I, know, I know. We question sometimes. We we go to so much trouble to set it all up, and we're like, and we see these guys that just throw all these cups on the table and 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 say they they made a huge amount of money. I guess maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but. It just we get so many compliments from customers, and they'll come up and say, you know, y'all are a little higher on this, but it just looks so much better. Yeah, you know, yeah. it looks like it's supposed to. It's acting like it's supposed to, and and so far, knock on wood, we have never gotten a, a negative review. That's on, awesome. On any of the, we get square messages all the time, thanking us for the knowledge and for the help that we've given them. And that's and really good because that. people love putting negative reviews. They do. Out there. They oh, do. Yeah. And, and we have never had one put on there. That we couldn't rectify, and they and they they corrected it. That's well, imagine uh, with all that stuff you bring. If you talk to your new friend you made last time on the beach, you can add so more stuff because you can put things on top of your van. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, was an awesome setup that guy there's, had. Though. There was a van Let's at the take beach. that in for it a had, minute. So it, there was a van at the beach. It had a big roof rack, and then two a ladder on each side of it to get up onto the roof rack. A giant and cargo these, van. These were not flimsy ladders. No, no these it was, were like it was hardcore steel. Yeah, steel. yeah. And so Randy has a van similar without the rack. And he went over to talk to these people, and they had made it. They had made that rack, and they told Randy they could make it and install the entire thing for 500 bucks. 
Oh, yeah. And another guy went over and got a card. So he's got a stack of cards from reptile people who have Chevy Express vans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said 500 bucks. I was like, you need to go do that. Yeah, it's yeah. aluminum or what? No, it's steel. It's steel. Oh, yeah. yeah. Square tubular steel. Don't, wow. know, don't know where the steel came from. Hey, I don't no. care. But yeah. for 500 bucks, you can get it on top of your yeah. van. Yeah, because his, his brother doesn't speak English, but he interprets for everybody and gets the job done. So that'll work. Yeah. That's it. So. Wow, that was fun. It was <laughs> awesome looking, though. It really was. That's all Randy walked up there. He's not going to walk up there. He, nope. Walked right over there. A whole, whole group of guys. I was like waiting for the one guy that did speak yeah. English, yeah. English to come talk to you. But. Yeah, the first guy I asked, he's like, huh? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> so he runs off and he comes back and he goes, yeah. And he goes, this is my van. I said, I love that rack. And he goes, and apparently his, um, the rel- I think it's his brother. Anyway, I'm pretty sure he said it was his brother. Has made several of them for workers around town, too, that have seen them. They see it going down the street. and. Wow. wow. Yeah, because the ladder on the side, that was, a, that was like an actual ladder. I think it was yeah. pretty sturdy. Well, and yeah. I thought it was just on one side. So I was like, no, well, he that's did on both. Cool. Yeah. I was like, but you can only really access from one side. But then when I w- walked around the van, you could see that it was on both sides. Yeah. And I mean, I'm terrified of heights, but this was sturdy enough. What you do is that... you get them to make you that rack, and then you put a tent up there and save money and just stay in a tent on top of your van. <laughs> no, that's would, for the guys around here that live in their I trailers. Would yeah, yeah, yeah. I would roll right. off in the middle of the night. You, right, so, you watch the reptile shows. You watch for somebody's outfit to change. If it doesn't change for the three days that they're here, they're, <laughs> they're saving money in their car or in their in is their it trailer. Bad that I already have like three people in my head. Yeah, yeah. yeah I do too. There's a number I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Oh, all right. So let's get to uh, to your outside of Scaly Pets and Friends. The other stuff you do, other work you do. Oh, you mean my real job your, that actually uh, the one that pays? Yeah, that pays the bills. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we um. I owned a pet store for about 22 years in Bossier City, Louisiana. Um, Which, I, for anybody listening, is not New Orleans. No. No, that's further away from me than <laughs> Dallas is. Yeah. I, lo- yeah. I, I love when people hear anywhere in Louisiana and their only reference is New Orleans. I'm like, no, the things aren't yes. close by. They constantly ask me about the Cajun way of life, and I'm like, I have it's no nowhere- idea. They disown us yes. completely. They said all You're we are is an extension of Dallas. Pretty yeah. much. Northwest, we're northwest Louisiana. It takes yeah. me three hours to get to Dallas. Five and a half to get to New Orleans, so yeah. I'm, I'm a lot closer to Dallas. My buddy was on an elevator somewhere, and uh, he was listening to two guys talk. He said, yeah, we're flying into Shreveport, and I think we're going to go to New Orleans for the day. I'm like, someone has not looked at a map. No, they have <laughs> not. Uh, that would be an That's your whole day fast. drive. You that will get no time drive, in New Orleans. Yeah. Well, they, they stay up all night, so I guess they would. If they yeah. flew in in the morning, drove down during the day. Yeah. Yeah, but, but you can't, can be on you can't truly night, so. enjoy New Orleans and have to drive back. No. To catch no. your other flight. No. no, you could sleep on top of your van with that rack. Yeah, with a yeah. rack. Yeah, there you go. But we lived in central Louisiana, and people would be like, oh, you live in Louisiana? What about? I'm like, it's not the same. But first of all, yeah, I was three people, hours from New Orleans. Well, I always yeah. tell people, New Orleans is not Louisiana. New Orleans no. is New Orleans, and then there's the rest of the state. Yes. I was like, it's completely different. That it's its Rouge own world. is totally different. Shreveport's totally different. You get yep. below I 10, yeah. like around Lafayette and all, that is not the same as Bozier City and Shreveport. That's no. no. That, you know those, what they have in Bozier City and Shreveport? Get someone from Manchac. Yeah, like down in the swamp, and then get somebody from Bozier City. They don't even sound the same. No. They may not be able to talk to each other. No. Right? No. <laughs> no. But you know what they do have in Bozier City and in Shreveport? Best Pro Shops. They have Strawn. They have Strawn's pie. Oh, the pie! It's a restaurant. I love Strawn's. I, um, one of my biggest customers in the I kept, I kept my aquarium and pond business when I sold my store, and um, one of my biggest customers are the owners of Strawn. Oh my God, they have the best strawberry so pie in the world. All the time when I'm up there, she's like, "Y'all go by and." and Grab some dinner on us and don't leave without a pie. Oh my God. <laughs> I would like, weigh, okay, if I, I would weigh 400 pounds every single time when we lived in Louisiana. If I had to go to Shreveport for anything, I had to stop and eat strawberry pie. 
<laughs> it was the highlight of my trip. I have to bring you one. Oh, my God. she offers them to me all the time. She said she hates them and don't bring them home anymore. I, I do not <laughs> doubt that at all. And I've never branched out and tried any other pie that they sell. Yeah. They sell several types. Yeah. No, it's strawberry. Uh, yeah. It's strawberry. <laughs> like, like that's like Strawberry's the one. Don't worry about 100%. the 100%. Yeah. The other ones don't exist. They okay. don't. So, so let's get Sorry. to the job that makes money. We'll talk about pie for a minute. I know. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> well, you know, she's a customer, so it doesn't make money. <laughs> anyway, we do aquarium and ponds. We do... Um, I've specialized in reef aquariums, so I do the the saltwater reef tanks. Kind of, I guess, goes along with the whole terrarium, vivarium thing in the reptile business. But um, I also work in the film business, and that's that's the fun and intriguing one that I got into back in '08. Yeah. And um, worked in that, and that that's that's been the thing I'm focusing on now. Of course, we'll always have our reptiles, but trying to move away from the aquarium and pond business. And I know Robert noticed you. He was watching a movie. And he had to pause and rewind and pause and rewind. I was like, that, that's Randy. <laughs> yeah. I get immortalized in that one. Yeah. That, that was from the campaign. Yeah. And um, they have a church snake scene, which is very popular in shows. I think we decided the other day when we were working on the one we're working on now, it was the sixth one Jeez. that I have done. And, um, yeah, there's only one or two of us that they call for that. And so pretty much any time that scene's going to be in there, we do it. Those we, scenes crack me up because... And, and, you know, I mean, they obviously the actors and regular people can't and shouldn't be handling venomous snakes. And so I'm always interested to see what species people are holding. Yeah. Because I think I there's like a gray band. I think there's there, a carpet python carpet in there. Python. That's what that's well, yeah. the one that bites him is a carpet the, python, I think. Right. Yeah. The two most the two most popular ones are are carpet pythons and dumerals boas. And, and it's because their ground color and their wide head. Yeah. If, if you look at a, a carpet python or a um, or a dumerals, their head is proportionally large. Oh, yeah. Yes. For their neck. And so, with a snake like that, you can take special well, effects, can do their magic. It's and that old triangular-shaped yeah. heads are venomous, uh-huh. and so everybody sees yes. that. Yes, and, and they'll go along and just doctor it up, put a rattle on there if they need to, so make it look right. <laughs> so we, You and I were talking earlier, they, they do that all the time. They'll throw in rattle noises when there's yeah, no yeah. rattle involved. So, obviously, you're on the other side of the camera, but do you ever find yourself watching movies and or films or TV shows that you haven't worked with, and then, like, you pause it? So that you can like pick out the snakes. She's only asking oh, no. you this because I do the same thing. My, my daughter hates me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, she absolutely hates watching television with me anymore. <laughs> she's like, she's like, will you please just be quiet and let us watch the show because it's not fun anymore. You have to correct every error. Yeah, every, every, every time a dog, a every time a dog's working. I know where the trainer's standing because the dog will keep cutting his eyes over and cutting back, <laughs> cutting his eyes over because he's doing that to see if it's okay mm-hmm. to move. What he's doing, uh-huh. or is it okay to move? Is it do I stay here? I love it. And if they're not careful about where they place the trainer, they'll see him. So if the the trainer has to be behind the camera, so that the dog's eye contact is always where they want the dog to look. But the, sometimes the trainer will be off to the side ten or twelve feet, and so the dog will keep getting his cues over there. And she's like, "Would they please? Would they please just?" She goes, would you please just let us watch the movie and then, yeah. you know, maybe talk about it later. <laughs> James will pause it. And then he's like, this is this and yeah, this is yeah. this and this is this and this yeah, is wrong and the, this is wrong. I was talking earlier. Like, I, I've what? never paused the scene in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark when he gets dropped into the pit full of snakes. Because I was younger when I first saw it. But now that I'm older, I paused it the other day and I realized they're not fucking snakes. Like 90% of them are legless lizards. Yeah. Yeah. And then like three snakes, just a shit ton of legless lizards. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I have an uncle who's. 
in the military and he does that like we are we will never watch the movie air force one with him because he corrects every, he's like none of this in this whole scene would have ever happened oh no or like he's like so we just don't watch any military movie with him because we we don't get to enjoy the film well it's like i tell him i'm like uh, do you really think that if six or eight dudes that are trying to do what they do are firing on this one guy with automatic weapons and all he has to hide behind is a telephone pole. Do you really think that would happen in real life? Goes, right. Well, it's a show. Yeah. I'm like, yes, that's what you keep in mind. It's on the show. Just yeah. entertainment. Because well, if you've ever fired like a 762 at a telephone pole, it goes right through it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They go right through car doors too because yeah. we know yes. that from actual yeah. experience in the yeah. business yeah. I was in as a young man. Yeah. They shot at one of our workers and it the only thing that saved him was the metal framework in the door. The bullet entered the door, yep. but hit the big steel framing oh, in the wow. middle, and that's where it stopped. Wow. Otherwise, yeah. they'd have hit him. I always say, yeah, uh, you have behind a telephone pole, you're going to not only have a bullet in you, but you're going to have a bunch of huge splinters in you, too, right. that are going to be just as bad. Yeah, I mean, when I first became a cop, I went to an off-duty encounters class, and this old grizzly, you know, 40-year veteran's like, the way a windshield is shaped, if you shoot it, it just bounces off. And I'm like... No, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I'm like, it'll go right through it, man. He's like, yeah, if you're in, I'm like, look, I'm going to buy, I'm going to find us a car to shoot. And we did. We found one. I shot it with a 380. Boom, right through the windshield. And I'm like, good thing you weren't sitting in there. And uh, it blew my mind that this cop who'd been a cop for 40 years believed that a bullet wouldn't go through a windshield because of the way it was shaped. Dude, a rock will go through your windshield. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But oh that's gosh. so that's all misinformation. So I'm wondering on set with with actors and directors and people that don't know shit about reptiles. How many times are you having to correct misinformation when they come to you and they 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 spout the one thing they know has to be true about whatever animal it is? You're like, well, actually, it's it's interesting. Actors pride themselves in what they do. And so the majority of them I've ever worked with have been extremely friendly. That they, they are eager to learn. Um they usually won't take on a role if they don't believe they can, they can work the role. Um, this latest show that we're working on now, and I can't talk about it till it comes out, but um, we had a meet and greet, literally a, a, a day's pay for me to do nothing but sit down with actors and make sure they're comfortable with, with your snake. animals. That's yeah. so cool. If you think about it, in in this particular show, if you if you were handling snakes, you would be very comfortable with them. There'd be no apprehension whatsoever. Right. So obviously production does not want a, an actor to be very tentative about picking them up. So we literally had a, a meet and greet said, Hey, are you guys going to be all right with these? And like, you know, and they were like, Oh hell yeah, this is great. Yeah. You That's don't want that first, so the first cool. second for them to our moment for them to come in contact with the snake to be, the very the, first the on camera. That you're like yeah. yeah, no, no. And, that, that and that's what they were sense. worried about because a lot of times, you know, they're like all the rest of us. They'll take the role and then later on figure out, oh, hell, how am I going to yeah, how right. am I gonna do this? <laughs> you know, because, yeah, I can do all that. And then yeah. they get there, oh, shit, no, I'm horrified no, of snakes. We've, we've had one or two incidents where that has happened. You know, not not so much with the main actors, but with the with the extras and stuff. Yeah. Some of the extras have to be switched out because they'll, um, well, in a church scene, for instance, a lot of times there's several people in the audience that are holding. They're, they're non-venomous snakes, obviously. Right. But they'll all sign on for that because they like to be on camera. They like to be seen. And um, then when they get there and you start to hand it to them, they're freaking out. And they don't they don't want to touch it and they can't hold it and they hand it back to you. Yeah. <laughs> or they but, drop it. Yeah, fortunately. But those are those are extras. And so they'll just switch. They'll move them around until they get people that can do what they do. But when it's the main actor, when it's an A-lister, you got to make sure that they, right. you know, that they know 
they know what they're doing. There, That's awesome. There was a series that came out earlier a few months ago called The Bear, um, which has nothing to do with bears. Yeah. Uh, and um, they brought in, you know, they're they're in a kitchen all day at a restaurant, and um, the main character is supposed to be a chef. So they brought in Maddie Masterson, who is a celebrity chef, and he's actually in the movie to teach them, like made them run a line kitchen. They mm-hmm. they they opened up this kitchen for like two weeks. Because he said, you can't act that. No, uh-uh. You can't act working in a kitchen. We have to teach you how to work in a kitchen and do it. So it would be the same thing with yeah. the snakes. We can't just hand you a snake. All, all good actors will do that. Yeah. All, all good actors. They, they go to great lengths to, to, to mimic a character properly. You know, even to the point of, um, you know, if they're going to be dying of cancer. I, I knew one, one young lady who was, during the show we were filming, was supposed to be dying of, of some illness. And she was very gloomy. She's so sweet and she's so nice all the time. But she was so gloomy on this production. And it was because she was in character. Yeah. And so to be as down and out as someone would be that's going through multiple chemotherapies and their, their family's all in tragedy, she just kept this blah yeah. thing the whole time. Even when she came to lunch with us and everything, she'd sit over in the corner by herself and she would slowly eat her food and Jim Carrey like, does that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm like, wow, you know. But that's what one of you know one of the PAs on set said. You know, yeah, yeah, she's trying to stay in character because she's got to do this constantly every day for the next however and, many and weeks. And some of them can't bounce from having it turn on no, and having it no, turn off. Some can't. of them have to yeah. stay. Yeah. Daniel Day Lewis is known for yes. that. For, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the day we, he shows up, he is Bill the Butcher. You know, from yeah. the day he gets there to the day they're through well, shooting. I hear with Jim Carrey when they would call Jim Carrey when he was shooting um, he, Man on the Moon, they'd be like, "I need to talk to Jim would, and so not the, Kaufman." Yeah, he, he would call him at like two a.m. and wake him up and be like, "I need to speak with Jim. I don't need Andy right now because he was Andy Kaufman yeah. for that yeah. three months yeah. they were shooting this movie or whatever." Yeah, that's really common. That's yeah. called method acting. Yep. Yeah. Some of yeah. them are, are, are that, I, that's their style. I'm listening to Matthew McConaughey's book right now green lights and i actually started listening to it on the way up here hearing him talk about how he got the wooderson role in um dazed and confused it was his first first movie yeah he forgot about that decided <laughs> this you know he figured out who this character was in his head and was like all right what would he wear and that's how he dressed and that's how he showed up for his his uh audition and uh they said Linkletter looked at him and goes yeah you're the one we're gonna take you and then three-fourths of his scenes were added scenes at the time they were filming and he ad-libbed them because he did that character so well but he said that he's like i had to become wooderson yeah. you know for 10 days or whatever it was well and then like so you're talking about having to replace like extras and stuff i know a lot of times in movies the the technical advisor and you know someone like yourself gets put into movies like you got you've been put into movies but you'll see it like with with football movies if you watch football movies there's like Three or four guys who are in every football movie because they're the technical advisor on how yeah. to coach, and then they just make them a coach in the oh, movie. Yeah. There's um, in in our line of work, there's a guarantee that every time you're going to have a protection dog, a police scene, anything like that, I will guarantee you 90% of the time, that is the officer that handles that dog that is in that scene. The only time that's an exception is if that happens to be an acting or speaking role with a stated character. But yeah. every time we go, they're like, Hey, if they're cool with it, let's suit them up and let's let them do the work. And so they'll do just like they would do if they were doing a, if it was set a, up a border scene on a, mm-hmm. um, oh, Queen of the South. I did Queen of the South when they filmed in Dallas. Love that and theory. when we set up all of the, the roadblocks or was supposed to be coming across the Mexican border, 
all of the fellows that I brought to that were all police officers from down in Lafayette. Oh, really? And they brought their own drug dogs and their own huh. uh, uh, canines oh, to, cool. do, to do the scenes. And so they love that. And, yeah, like with us, if they can um, – like, I've walked many a goat <laughs> across the scene. You'll never see me. I may have a, a goofy hat on or something. But, yes, if you can handle an animal that they're not sure of its actions, they will use you every time. I, we used to laugh about the fact that people would give up everything to make it in the movies. But once you get in there, it's amazing how many times they fly by the seat of their pants. They're like, hey, man, man, can you dress up? Can you suit up? Can we use you? We don't have so-and-so over here or, or we need more of a crowd over there and Okay. Yeah, they pay extra, and so yeah, hell yeah. When, when I was I'll in, dress up for you. When I was in college, I worked at the San Diego Aerospace Museum, and uh, we built um, a, a model of the um, the Kitty Hawk. Uh, I was real big into like doing model airplanes and stuff back then. And me and this guy Al, who was at that time was in his late fifties, um, was my boss at the museum, and we built this bad badass model for the Admiral of North Island Naval Air Station, who had been the commanding officer of the Kitty Hawk before he promoted up. Well, they were filming uh, Pearl Harbor, and they came to the museum and were like, we need a bunch of guys who are like 18 to 22 years old to dress up in World War II era, era uh, flight deck gear and then run out when the, the B-25s take off. And I was like, I can do that. I can get all my friends. And so we did. So we actually got to go out on the carrier in, Corpus, in uh, San Diego Bay when they launched, because the, they launched one B-25 off the deck for that movie. Awesome. So when you watch all the, the flight crew, the flight deck crew run out, I'm in one of those. I'm one of those. That's guys. so cool. Yeah, that was uh, that's awesome. The closest cool. I ever came. <laughs> I know you a bunch almost, of people. But yeah, they literally they just showed up at the museum and were like, hey, the admiral sent us over here and said you guys could probably find some people. Yeah. yeah? I know okay. a bunch of people who've worked and stuff like that, but I never have. So, Randy, what is the weirdest or funniest story that you can tell us on set with a reptile that you've had happen while you were there? Or the most memorable that stands out to you the most? Well, you know, it's funny. Probably is it, more so than with a reptile. One of one of the funniest things was um, some of the scenes with rats that we have done. I've trained rats for a number of shows, and um, one scene in particular involved a bunch of nude bodies laying <laughs> in a graveyard, and. Um, they wanted us to place the rats around in the graveyard like they were running around these these back back in the Salem witch days if you were not of of importance they just threw you in a ditch when you died so yeah. at one point when the plague was really bad there was a lot of bodies piling up so they would just throw them off into these ditches and so one of the scenes is one of those ditches where these bodies are well back then they took all their clothes from them because everything like that was precious back then so they'd recycle it for somebody else to use and so there's all these people down there and um they wanted these rats scattered around in different places for for the show and um one of the camera guys who's this you know he's one of those characters you got that character on every show decided it would look great if i would keep putting a rat right in the center of this young lady's back so he could pan up with the camera, see the rat sitting there, and then pan across all the dead bodies out there with other things going on. But the, the funny thing is, every time we would set the rat on there and he would pan out, by the time he was finished, it was a fairly long scene, the rat would go run down her butt and go between her legs and wait 
there. And so you have to look at them and say, I have to retrieve my rat. And she's like, oh, honey, I'm not worried about anything. Go, go get it. And we filmed this like five or six times. Oh and every time God. you have to scoop the rat up and put it back up on her back. Whoops, that's not the rat. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So that was probably wow. one of the most awkward Oh interesting gosh. times with, with with a live animal but oh. she goes at least you were polite and asked i was you know? about to so say you handled yeah, the situation reach on in there. yeah just she's like do what you need to do you know she's a veteran <laughs> i just wonder how you talk about actors all right so this rat could crawl up against your nether regions i'm just gonna need you to be okay with it oh just, just go with it oh no we've had to we've we've had to advise all kinds of of strange. I was about to say, I'm things. sure that's not the strangest thing they've so had. So, how, how often when a director's like, all right, I want this, this, and this, you have to go, yeah, we can't do that. Oh, that happens a lot, actually. <laughs> and uh, they, um, they're just trying to make a movie. Yeah. And, and they don't understand animals at all. They do not understand animals. And they, they say the two mo the worst things in film are animals and children. Yeah. They will always do what they're not supposed to, mm -hmm. when they're not supposed to do it, and they'll do it over and over again. And that's like crawl into an area that I'm not true to. to that. Cats, for instance, are one of the hardest animals on earth to, to take on set. A lot of the guys in Hollywood have literally like nine of the same cat, hoping that between all nine of them, one of them will work that day. Jeez. Because the other eight will be on strike <laughs> for no reason at all. They all know how to do it. They know how to do exactly what you want to do. They just don't want to today. And yep. so that. That's why, that's why I like dogs. Dogs yeah. are dumb. You give but them food, they'll do what you want. We um and, and there's there's a group called American Humane, not the humane side of the United States, but American Humane regulates the film industry. And if you ever notice at the end of a film, it'll say no yeah. animals were harmed in the making of this film. Well, most directors, that's very important to them to have that label. Um now you're you're So do they have to have someone on on yes, set? They have someone anytime. on set or they review the script and they review the final product. Like we um we did a show where a guy's supposed to run over an armadillo. And he's from Texas, or he's going to Texas from Atlanta. And he's got these $1,000 cowboy boots on. He's driving this fancy, fancy sports car. And supposedly this armadillo walks out in front of the sports car. He's a, an ass, so he just runs it over. And he gets out to see what it was that he ran over. And there's this dead armadillo stuck in the front of the, of the car. He kicks it out of the front of the car with his $1,000 cowboy boots like, ugh, you know, Texas, for God's sake, you know, and he's going on to where he's going. Well, the props people did such a good job with the rubber armadillo, with the guts hanging out and all of that, that they started getting calls. <laughs> wanted to know if, if he really hit that armadillo. There are really people that think stuff like this. They really think that those animals are killed oh like that. Oh, my God. So they had to take pictures of the stuffy armadillo and send it to them to show that it was rubber. They had a guy, they literally had to show. Just bite on it. And, and what they do wow. is they put a file together. And so that way when American Humane gets a call about it, they'll say, no, ma'am, this is not, this is how they did it. These, these are the things we have, you know, we have our evidence here. And I have never so. once thought about calling and complaining about something I saw in a movie. I have when the movie's bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's no, completely that's, different. That's well, not. That's like, but you do, but you also do that with like TV shows. Yeah, if Naked and Afraid will quit putting ball pythons in South America video, yeah, yeah. That'd be right. Great. Yeah. 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 No, so, they get that a lot, and it's important to them not to get that. Oh, so, absolutely. Uh, you know, there are people in this world, you might be one of them, that does nothing but try to find where they, where they, you know, where they mess up a film where there's a pen laying on the table and the next shot, the pen. Yeah, that's too anal. I can't. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Th that's why a good prop department take pictures of everything. And so every day when they come back in, they look at their pictures. 
they lay everything back where it was because there are people that do nothing but try to find that, you do oh, that yeah. with clothes, and, and call in call in about the show and say why you know why would y'all do that you know so so and so wasn't really in that car that was two different scenes so I was watching a, a cooking show on Food Network I don't even remember which one it was oh. but I noticed that the competitor had like a stain on her clothes because they 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 show but it out then, of order but that's what it was because then later on the stain was gone but then when they were doing the judging the stain was yeah. back and it had what? been raining and yeah. what it was it was, was a rain stain. had gotten on her shirt yeah. there was but a Starbucks cup in an episode of Game, of, Game of, of Thrones, Thrones. Yeah. yeah 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 there's so, a wa- there's a water bottle in um. One of the shows that I did all the animal work on, and it made it all the way to the final cut. That's so there's funny. a water bottle sitting in a in a. This is back in the Salem witch day. <laughs> there's a water bottle sitting there on one of the tables. See, look, pollution is so bad. Not only will it be here in the future, it somehow has made it into yeah. the past. Yeah, it made it into the past. But there's a water bottle in the past. I, I have a question, Randy. Has there been an actor? If you can say this, has there been an actor that just surprised you with how amazingly gracious and great to work with that you did not expect when you got there? That they were just an awesome person to work with. Yeah, there, there, there's actually there's actually been two of them. Um, I actually worked with and became friends with Nicolas Cage. And that makes my heart so he, happy because <laughs> if he was not a nice guy, I would. Well, I would be he actually is not considered a nice guy by a lot of people. Really? But he is extremely nice, extremely soft spoken. Um, he actually came around when I had my pet store, and he would come over at night when we were closed because that's the only time he could walk around yeah. in there. And just hang out. I mean, literally just hang out. I mean, we had we had each other's cell phone numbers and and called all the time. He was always trying to buy something from me. And, and you know, if I wouldn't sell it to him fast enough, he'd keep up in the amount that he offered. That's hilarious. So you living in the South, did he ever apologize to you personally for the voice he used in Con Air? <laughs> no. Okay. I think it only that was one of my you. favorite movies. I love the movie. I love, I love the movie. Yeah. He was one of those guys that. All of my big burly police officer friends that, that hung out at the store were like a bunch of little giddy schoolgirls. <laughs> yes. When he was in there, they're like, "Can you get me in? Do you think? Hey, can you just just call my phone and hit the button that he's there, and I'll I'll come over on a call, you know, or I'll drift by there just to come in." And say, it was amazing to me the following. That's so funny. That, that I he has. adore him. I want to see his yeah. new movie where yeah. he plays himself. Yeah, yeah. My God. Yeah. He's he's yeah. He's great. I mean, he and to me, he's always been he's always been. Yeah. Great, but I had been told leading up to it that he was really difficult. But we share a common bond. He loves reptiles. Really? That's he so loves cool. everything bizarre. And uh, that, that makes sense. It, matter of fact, he's one of them that, that it's really interesting. A show I'm working on now, they worked with him on a show a few years ago. And one of the snake wranglers, which we also do, by the way, snake abatement, where we go out and make sure the areas are safe that they're filming in. One of the guys had caught a copperhead and had it there in his bucket or whatever he did before he took it out. And they said, the next thing you know, Nicolas Cage had it out of the bucket. Oh, God. <laughs> and, and the director's like, no, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> and, and they said, so, you know, he, he can, you know, he can be a wild card. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, but no, he's, he's a great guy. And, and um, you said there was another one too? Um, so Sylvester Stallone was one of them that, that has a, a really bad reputation on set. But, but he was very nice and, and cordial when we worked with him. I'm amazed with him how long his career has lasted. Yeah. Like, you think about it, you watch Rocky and you're like, he was super young. And I was just like. He was so young when he did those movies. And he, he still. that too. Well, and he still looks like he could kick anybody's ass now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. a scary dude. Well, like J.J. Watt said several years ago, if your job was to make a living with your body. Yeah. You would do what we do. Yeah. You know, well, you would work out the way we work out. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 
So I'm still I'm still more interested in things that the directors wanted you to do that you couldn't do. I'm just I've got to imagine there's just so many things. You're like, all right, we want the snake too, and like can't train the snake. Oh no, what am I? Yeah, that that's interesting because yes, directors will often act like everything is trainable. <laughs> And one of your favorite things to do when you're in a job like this is to have something go exactly like it's supposed to. And be like, I because did that. They'll look over at you and go, yeah, that was me. You know, or, or someone will walk by and go, man, that was great. How did you get that snake to go where it went? And I said, took a lot of work. <laughs> you know, it, it took me standing over here with my fingers crossed going, please go that way. Please go that way. And it goes right where it's supposed to. And, there's every, and then sometimes, no matter what you do. It'll happening. turn around and go the opposite direction a hundred times, and you're like, "Do they get fed up with you at that point? Like, is it your? Do they blame you for the snake being a snake? Sometimes it depends on the director. If the director has absolutely no animal experience and they're very high strung, sometimes they'll get a little frustrated that they're not getting what they want. But most of the time, they're pretty understanding, and, and we tell them right off the bat: this, this animal is strictly a reactionary animal. It's not. It cannot be trained anyway, because they'll ask you that about snakes a lot. They'll really? say, "Well, do you train them?" Is there something you do for them? I'm like, no, other than handle them to make sure that they're used to being handled Handled and worked with. But other than that, we just manipulate them to try to get them to to do what you want them to do do or or to see what you need to see. Do you have certain directors that have gotten to know you that ask for you now? I have a couple of different production companies that do. I don't know. Directors directors change with every film. And they can even change within a film. Yeah, yeah. um, TV series often have a director for each episode. Or um, halfway through the episode, another director will come in. A lot of times they only have so much time they can devote. Um, When we worked on Salem, they had a lot of really uh, big-name directors. Mm -hmm. They just had fun with it. You know, so they'd come in and film one season or one episode, and they'd fly back out again. So the directors were different. But the production office would know you and and um i worked on one tv series because of knowing me from another tv series which was nice you know she picked up the phone and called and said hey you know we like what you did can you come and do can you come do this for or us? they enjoyed working with you yeah. the last time yeah. and want to work well with the you one again. that the, the the um if you get a chance to check out the game show on barstool sports that's a that's a company where everything went really well and we're hoping we'll get to do more seasons of that so. okay yeah it's and it's got to be a fairly close-knit group as far as, like, animal people for shows and movies and all. I mean, I can't imagine it's a huge... Uh, it, it's... Um, the, the the people who actually know what they're doing is a very small pool of people. Um, unfortunately, it's a lot like coming to these shows where people get one table and they get a handful of stuff and they think they're going to conquer the world. That happens sometimes in the film business, too, especially um, if it's an animal that, that to production doesn't have to do something specific. It's not like a dog that's got to be trained to rescue a child out of a burning car. Yeah. You know, they know they got to go to, to L.A. for that or to, or to someone who does it. But, like, they'll think, oh, it's just a snake. So we can save a lot of money if we call local and get somebody. But what people don't understand, it takes years to learn the etiquette of a set. And so to learn not to stand in front of a camera, to learn not to um, – you know, talk, do, do, do the wrong thing while you're there. Have your phone on out loud. Yeah. Um, and so they call these people in. They have this this rowdy, disorganized day of doing things. And a lot of times the people who bring the snakes and stuff, they're not knowledgeable enough of what they have. They get somebody bitten or they get somebody pooped all over or they get whatever that, that shouldn't happen. Happens because they don't know their way around the film set. They might know snakes, but yeah. they don't know. And and so that you get, you get that a lot of when it's not a, a – highly trained animal that's going on but most of the time the bigger productions will call 
um, well, there's like my, my buddy Jules Sylvester is um, out of L.A. and he's done Snakes on a Plane. He's ate Snakes on a Plane. I knew that. Yeah, yeah. He's he's done all the big stuff. He's and, the one that I've seen in stuff. Like, he's been in things yes. that have reptiles as yeah. an extra person to be yes. in things. Yeah, and he's the guy that'll, that'll come on the late night talk shows and things like that and talk. And we were watching TV one night and there was some game show on and you had to pretend to be somebody but the 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 contestants had to pick out who was the liar and who was the one that really does it and it was really cool because jules was one of them and, and it was talking about it, it was snake handlers so the minute i saw their faces <laughs> I, thought, well, I know who that is but you know not a one person got him right i, I think he i was, saw that he was so obvious that everybody thought it had to be one of the others it had to be a sleeper among the other two but it wasn't it was him and he literally said exactly what he does exactly how long he's been doing it and they all thought, oh, no, that's too obvious. And so they all picked somebody else. I remember else. seeing that because funny. I because when I saw him, because I had seen him and stuff, I was like, no, he's the reptile guy. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But I also heard on snakes in a, on a plane, they didn't find all the snakes that were on the plane. Ah, who knows? Maybe. <laughs> I just imagine that's a ton. That was, that's another one of those movies where, like, as a snake person, it's painful to watch. Just because yeah. of the factual part. Oh, it was for me. It was for me. <laughs> I and, it was and, and then I got hilarious. To, then I got to be really good friends with the man who did it and... So you look at it a little bit different, then, yeah. but but yeah, well, it was it was semi-serious. It was somewhat of a farce as well. So yeah. they kind of got away with a lot on snakes. Someone on is killing a pig in the oh background. Oh my gosh! Oh, they're just touching it. That's all it takes for those things. <laughs> you know, at my age, every time I hear that, I always think squeal like a pig. You know, it's a horrible thing. <laughs> oh, that is, that's a completely different movie. Sir. That was horrible. Yeah, that's a horrible movie. But um, yeah, I, I find interesting the the. It's got to be weird being the animal person on a set with a bunch of non-animal people, and like, because. See, and I don't know. I disagree. I think that might make you like the super popular. It, it will one. be, yeah. but I just, I don't know. It's, and it's also weird because it's reptiles. It's not like if you if you have the guy that shows up with the dog, everyone, oh, it's a dog. We love the oh, dog. No, they love it. Let me tell you something about people on a movie set. They've never been outside. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you walk up, it's like it's the coolest thing that you've got a dog with you. And I'm like, don't y'all have a dog at home? Well, you, but but it's your dog, and, and so it's like, but you can't pet the dog. Yeah. Why can't we pet the dog? Because the because dog is we working. we can't let you pet the dog. It's a working dog. We're not allowed to let you pet the dog. Yeah. Yep. And that goes on all day long. And you're like, but don't y'all have dogs? But they've never seen a snake. You'd be amazed how many times you walk on set with a snake, and they just go, oh, my God, that's, a, that's the first time I've ever been near a live snake. Yeah. I'm like, you're 30 years old. Yeah. Where the hell have you been? <laughs> I, I watched the. Did your I, mama not take you to the zoo? I mean, what? <laughs> I watched a, uh, what happened with you? I watched a documentary on Rick Moranis a while back, and you know he was in uh, First Flintstones movie, yeah. uh-huh. and about how they had to spend. They had a crew that would spend all night raking the dirt and all the pathways for that movie because if those guys stepped on a rock, John Goodman or Rick Moranis or one of them stepped on a rock, they freaked out. Because they thought they were going to die. Jeez. About how they had to spend hours and hours. They were barefoot the whole movie. Yeah, they were barefoot in the movie. And, spend, and then they had to make pathways and make sure they stayed in the pathways. Because they were in a rock quarry. That's where they yeah. filmed part of it at. And uh, they were talking about, though, that they were in a rock quarry in Southern California. And a freaking Southern Pacific rattlesnake found its way on the set. And uh, one of the extras stepped on it. And it struck at him, but didn't bite him. And it caused this huge commotion. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. They uh, act like they've never seen one in their life. <laughs> Have you ever had where you're you're there with animals on the set and all of a sudden you realize that animal on the set is not my animal? Oh, yeah. Brought- yeah, and, and once you um, once they know that you also do snake abatement and stuff, I can't tell you how many times I was. We were in, we were dressed in full costume, 
well, on one of the, one of the days that we were filming the witch show that we did, and um, there was an actual young cottonmouth in one of the rooms of one of the, these houses were built on the edge of the lake, and so apparently during construction in early winter, early spring. They had built right over some of the spots, I'm sure, where these guys were coming out from the night. And they're like, where am I? Yeah. And so I get a call that there's a snake in one of the rooms. And so I go running in the room. And I'm like, I can't believe it's a rat snake. And it's always a rat snake. Always. Just get yeah. grab him, take, take him out. I walk in. I'm like, it's a cotton mouth. You know, close to two foot long. Pretty decent one along the wall of the, of the house. Just crawling. And um, I didn't know what to do, but I was trying to improvise. Well, one of the guys had one of those scepters with the ball on the end of it. I said, give me that. And so he gave me that, and I just pinned it down and got it and took it out of the room. And they were just like, they, they were in shock. You know, they, they, I used a tennis they think you walk time. on water when you do stuff like that. It's really, it's really kind of fun, honestly, because they do. Because you're doing something they think, so yeah. weird from what and they're doing. And to them, it's so yeah. dangerous. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, oh my God, I'm so. It's like the stunt guys when they crash a car uh -huh. or something. Everybody's just. They're in awe that they do that. And, yep. and you're like, but we do it all the time. So it's like not a big deal to us. When you're yep. on set and you go walking off through the woods, tromping, looking for snakes. Yeah. And they're just horrified because in their mind, there's a snake everywhere. Yeah, and they all want to kill you. And, and you're just walking out there. Like, oh, every from, everybody from L.A. thinks that there's a snake under every rock in Louisiana. And we are so <laughs> glad that they do. Great. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I did a relocation call earlier this year. I got a, a our president of our HOA sent me a message and was like, hey. Mr. Patel gives me his address. Uh, he's got a snake in his pool, so it's been there for a couple of days. Can you go get it? Sure. So I pull up, and it's this, you know, probably late 60s Indian guy, million-dollar house, super nice. He's like, yeah, the police came out earlier and told me it was a coral snake, and they don't deal with venomous snakes. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, that's cool. I get a coral snake. So I go back there, and I got my tongs, and I look, and it's a broadband water snake about this big yeah. swimming in his pool. Well, I don't say anything. I just reach in there and grab it, and it bites me, and this, old, this guy freaks out. He's getting ready to call 911 because he thinks I just got bitten by a coral snake. Oh, no. And I'm like, it's just a broadband water snake. And I drop it in my little tub. And it didn't even break the skin. I mean, it was a little baby. But just to see his reaction. And then I'm like, do you want to look at it? And he's like, yeah, I'd like to see it. So I bring it over. And he puts his head over. And it strikes at the tub. He's like, nope, take it out. Get it out. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, getting bit's one of your favorite things on set because that just blows their mind. You know, How do you not die? Yeah. Yeah. They just, they're, they're just watching you like... He's still alive. That's your. I was like, did it get, with, get you with its fangs? I'm like, yeah. if it had them, maybe. <laughs> yeah, had them, I'd be in trouble. Yeah. 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 That's. It, well, you do that stuff with the corn snake. You take, you do, if you take just a corn snake around people that don't do snakes, and you're holding it, they're like, how are you holding it? Why is it not trying to kill you? I'm like, well, it's two foot long. Yeah. So that's one reason it's not trying to kill me. And two, it's corn snake. So it's 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 easy to amaze people who who have no experience. But we the same thing would happen to us. I mean, there's tons of things. We went to the uh, Sea Life Center yesterday. And Katie was amazed. Oh my God, it was because we got to be like two inches away from like actual sea turtles. I've never been that close to like real sea sea turtles in my life. There's all because there was, and I guess the other thing is because we frequent zoos and aquariums very regularly, but there was the nothing difference. between yeah. me and that turtle. I could have reached out to touch it, if but I we did not. To. I did, did not, not touch them because I knew better than to put my hands in there with it. But not, not our turtles. Like I. It, I can't even I can't even form a sentence about how cool it was. Like, was it one of the ones that had the low lot, the low exhibit where you look down in there? Well, no, it was like the whole thing because they're rescues, they're rescues. Well, it was at the Texas Sea Life Center. Sea Life Center. Oh, gotcha. So these are all like they're rescues and they're going to be yeah. released. So they were in in stock tubs. Like we were yeah. able to walk right up to the stock yeah. tub and like there's a turtle staring at you in the face. And like, yeah. Hey, 
Mr. 300 pound turtle. One of the zoos, I can't remember which one, has about a, a four foot wide exhibit running through there with shallow water in it, and they swim in that. Oh, that's and cool. when you're walking over, you can look right down in there and see them. They're younger, the younger yeah. ones. Like we've uh, we've done touch tanks with like stingrays and mm-hmm. man, like the, not, still not as cool as seeing a big ass turtle. Last, I told him when we were done, I was like, we can get dinner and go back to the house. I don't even care if we go to the beach. I'm like, this made my <laughs> yeah, whole day. She said that, and I was like, oh no, she must really been happy because like the beach was the only thing she wanted. That was to the do only thing I here. wanted to do yesterday, and I'm like, I don't even care. I'm like, I'm done. They my even night had, they is even made. Kemp's Ridley sea turtle, which is cool because those are super like endangered and rare. Yeah. And, like that was neat. Yeah, it was awesome. It was and so, the work they do over there, but it was so we had Amanda awesome. on yesterday. Katie wasn't here to talk to her. I wasn't. Sean but, filled in for me. But all right, so let's yep. let's get out, let Randy get back to selling snakes and, yeah. and freaking out people on movie sets. That's so awesome. But Randy, if if people want to reach out to you, how could they reach out to you and get a hold of you? Uh, they can look us up at Scaly Pets and Friends on Facebook. We have a website that we don't take care of as well as we should. <laughs> that, that's become the that's, common thing uh, for people. That yeah. is. Yeah. That's yeah. The... But, but Facebook is. Great way to reach us. Uh, they can always reach us through the Herps Network because we're we're set up with all our information with them, and we ship like everybody else does, except during extreme weather conditions. We'll always we can get it out to you, and yeah, they and can call with anything they need to know. Even if they didn't buy it from us, if they have a question about something or need some help with something, they can get in touch and, and go watch the movie The Campaign with Will Ferrell and yeah. Will Ferrell's Dancing with Snakes. Look right behind him, and you'll <laughs> yeah. see Randy. There you go. So That's th- thanks for coming on, Randy. All right, thank you. Thanks, Randy. All right, we are back with Russell. I was going to say South Ard. I was say you just. <laughs> I knew you were going to mess that up when you made. Because ah. he, he goes South Ard, and that's what's stuck in my head now. Southard. 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 Why are you putting an emphasis on the T and the H in his name? Because it's in there. What? What? You want to say Southard? That's what I said. We're saying the same thing. Jesus. Saying the same. It's been thing. a long weekend, y'all. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> So, all right, Ooh. Russell, let everybody know what you keep. Uh, I raise mostly colubrids. <laughs> it's a long corn list. Corn snakes, special, specially. Yes, that's why I have two fucking so corn snakes We have snakes two corn snakes house. at our house from Russell. <laughs> They're Russell's fault. Uh, I, I, we're not going like to talk about how many are in my house from Russell. <laughs> I like true. to hear that. Yeah, because Russell told my kid once, yeah, no, you want this one? Go tell no, your dad I'll no, sell no, you no, both no, of no, these no, for no, this no, price. No, no. Now, let me tell you how this started. It started with Joe wanting a corn snake. And then Joe walked over to Russell's table with me to look at them. And Russell completely ignored me, the adult, and paid attention to our child, who was the one asking questions. Smart and man. And at that moment, I knew I didn't care what it cost. Her first corn snake was coming from the table. Whoa. I care what things cost. A hundred percent. That was who was getting our business at for her first At least she didn't pick out snake. a palmetto or something. Thank God. But yeah, all she wanted was an albino. She wanted although, a, she wanted as plain and simple as you could get. Although I say that, there's no such thing as just an albino corn snake anymore. Like, it's an albino head. For, ours is like a head for like 15 things. No, there are albino corn snakes out there. Uh, they're just selectively bred. And the ones that are out there are really nice. I like okatees. I don't see enough okatees. I will, I need one. I don't have one. I used to have one. I love them. That's another one that I, it's like, I don't need any morphs with it. I don't need anything else with it. Just an okatee. Craig Tumbauer has the original Red Zep. Okatee corn snake. It's the only true Okatee albino. Really? Mm-hmm. Josephine told me one time, probably about six months after we got her snake, she's like, I think I'm going to breed corn snakes. I said, Oh, yeah? I said, What, you know, morph you want to get into? She goes, I'm not going to do a morph. I'm going to do just plain old normal corn snakes because <laughs> you don't see those on tables. And I was like, 
well, I mean, I don't know how well they'd sell because a lot of people like the the colors and the patterns. And she's like, no, I don't. I like well, the normal The other one. problem is trying to find a plain corn. Plus, what is a plain corn snake? Because depending on where you live, yeah. it looks drastically different. Yeah, but they now, range all over the U.S. And each state has a different pattern and color, uh, which makes them so unique. Yeah. Because you get to like uh, over here where you have the Kasachi corns, which aren't. But with you know, his salesmanship being so as amazing as it was. It was at the point that she went to go pay for it with her own money and realized that she was like 10 bucks too short or something. He was like, if you go tell your dad. <laughs> yeah. And it was like a, it too was much of a so discount fabulous. for me. I have to pass up. I was like, fuck. <laughs> and, so now I have a, and so now I have a snake that I can't take pictures of because you can't show pink in pictures. I think the best part of that whole experience where he, he just like handed her the cup and was like, we knew we were vendors, but we didn't know you that well then. You were like, here, take this snake over and show your dad. We were like clear across the venue from yeah. where you were. I was like, oh, goodness. Hey, you know, I remember when I was <laughs> young, uh, probably 12 or 13, and I was walking around these shows with now the old timers. Uh, but they did the same thing. They talked to me and told me, hey, this is the next big thing. You know, and uh, they fed you the dream. They did. And some of them are still vending with me today, which I love. Don Shores, Shores Enough Snakes. Yeah. He was one of the original people I got my first black and white California King. Oh, I was just about to say, but it was a California King. That's then. so cool. So. Shows are drastically different, though, from then to now. Yes. Yeah, that's because even like when I first got into them in the early 2000s, like shows are drastically different from then to now. So my dad was a machinist. And this was before there were mesh lids for fish tanks. So everything had to be handmade, whether it was chicken wire on a wood. But mine were sheet metal with pressed holes. So I thought I was, you know. Professional. Mine looked professional. That's awesome. (laughs) Then fast forward to now. Oh, yeah. Now you've got front opening, back opening, lights built in, Mm -hmm. Bluetooth. I do have, I have put Bluetooth lights in my room before, shop lights. Mm-hmm. Although now I moved it to my fish tank because my fish tank lights burned out. And so every time it turns on, it goes Bluetooth on every every time I turn <laughs> my fish lights on. We don't actually use the speaker on top of our fish tank. I could, though. I could play some music for them. Um, I don't really Just start playing like Little Mermaid idea. under the or like Yeah, like the Finding Nemo theme song or something. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, people don't realize how much like a small, like a timer is so beneficial nowadays. Oh, yeah. You used to have to remember to turn the light on and off. And now, mm-hmm. if you just buy that $5 timer, you know, the well, light comes on when you wake up and the light goes off when you go to sleep. And yeah. now I have it. I have all of my stuff on uh, smart wow. plugs. Yes. So I have them set that they come on at sunset and go on, come on at sunrise and go off at sunset. Or you can turn it on with your phone yeah. while you're yeah. sitting there. Yeah, it's That's awesome. What, and I have they're cheap. W- There's like 25 bucks for four of them. It's those wise ones. I have the same ones. And they... uh like, if I'm feeding after night, at night, I'm like, hey, I can turn all my lights on so that they can feed real quick, and then I can turn them back off. Yeah. Yes. Although, I know, like, I'll listen to some people on podcasts, they talk about, I only feed at night, and I go in with a red light, and I feed, and I'm like, my boas don't give a shit. If I throw a rat in there, they're going to eat if it, the sun could be inside of their cage, and they're like, yeah. no, I'll sleep. Yeah. We have our lamp in the living room because of where it's placed. It's high on top of a shelf, so it's really hard to get to. So, we have the lamp. We have your house snake. And the fish tank. And now we have the fish tank. It's on, one it's those, on a remote. It's on one of those like Christmas, for, like, Christmas light Christmas remotes. Lights. Like, it has like that on-off button for <laughs> Christmas lights. For, 
So like, I'll, I'll grab the remote when I walk in the living room and hit the one, two, and three on. And then at night before I go to bed, I hit one, two, and three off. I think it was on like clearance somewhere <laughs> That's once. That's actually really funny. It's great. Because I've thought about that so many times. They're fabulous. Well, it, was, it was on clearance somewhere, and I was like, sure, I'll use this one day. And then fast forward like five or six years later, like, this is that day. This is he when I'm like, going to finally use I it. I told him, I said, I wish we had a remote that I could just turn them off. And he goes, oh, I have one. And he like disappeared into the garage and yeah. then came back with it. I was like, very cool. You can't pass up stuff on clearance. That's all from your mom right there. <laughs> no, my mom would buy stuff on clearance that she never plans on using. Oh, but, goodness. So how many corn snakes? I mean, there's no way you know the number, right? How many corn snakes you're up to? I have quite a few. Uh, <laughs> but there are a select few that stand out above others. Um, so I made a yellow corn snake, but it has a purple head for the first time this year. It's actually... A lava caramel, uh, sun-kissed blood red. Did you call it the LSU corn snake? Hey, you know, it could be. It's, it's I was about to say, that would sell the tiger. fast. <laughs> tiger? That would, that would sell fast. Um, but I think probably in the 1,000 adult range, and then Fuck. there's a few sub-adults getting raised up to take places. Uh, but That's a, It's insane to me, just because I've seen, like, I've seen on some of the lids where you have to write this is this and then it's like hit like five things. And so to have a thousand snakes, we're like, they could have like four or five, six genes of snake. They have a shelf number and a bin number and a adult ID number. I was going to say, he has a badass organizing. Yeah, like all in a computer. I've, I've been in Russell, one of his snake rooms and it's. That was the old snake room. The new ones are, compl- I remodeled this year. Uh, oh, there hasn't really? been very many visitors to the, to the place since I, I remodeled, but. I that sounds it. like an invite, guys. I, I know. <laughs> oh, he, uh, he wants us to bring Logan up all the time. It's just so far. I got uh, a shed spray foam. Um, oh, nice. With that, my brother started instil- Instacoat installation. Insulation. Uh, and it's spray foam. And they spray foamed my old snake building, which is why I had to tear it all apart. But it's basically a cooler because we did the floor, the walls, and the ceiling. Nice. And even the front side that gets the sun, the wall temperature isn't any different on the inside. No oh, heat wow. leads through. Oh, cool. So yeah, like a mini split or something in there? Or? I have an AC that, that keeps it, but it doesn't run as much as it, it used to. And the walls don't bleed the heat or cold as like they used to. So it's it's one year in, we had it through the freeze. And I ended up moving all my animals in there because it, even with the power out, it stayed at temperature. Oh, nice! That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So it made a huge difference. And then you um, have you have sulcatas too. Yeah, we started raising tortoises. Two and or three. Yeah, we've <laughs> we've got a small horde. A small, small herd of yeah. sulcata tortoises, uh, and they're my wife's favorite. They come and sit at her feet while she drinks her coffee. That's one of my favorite things that I, about our tortoises. Except for when they try to well, run through you. Well, as long as my toenails aren't a bright color, they're fine. Then they try to eat my toes. But um, yeah, they're little like cherry tomatoes. They, thing. I look, I like bright, <laughs> colorful nail polish. Okay, and they do. I'm always in flip flops. <laughs> they always think my, my toes are treats. My favorite is uh, I finally got the waterfall built on my aquatic turtle pond, and oh, so cool. it's a full pond of slider morphs. Cool. So there's albinos mm-hmm. and charcoals. But there's a waterfall, and you can sit out there at the 
on the lawn furniture and they walk out to you and take food from your hands and then run back to the to the pond. <laughs> oh, that's really so that's neat. Pretty neat. Uh, so a little escape from just doing snakes all the time. Yeah. Snakes do take up quite a bit when you have a, such a big collection. I know Katie wants to get uh, moon crabs. Moon crabs from you at some point. We've talked about that before. So I usually have the purple and red ones. Yes. Mm-hmm. But this year, I we, saw those giant white ones. We got in a red and red, a red on red. They're oh, red, and they are like cherry red. Cool. Like, and they have white. They're red, red and white. That's cool. What were those? Were the ghost crab, the giant ones you had at one point, like big white ones. Oh, so we got in. Uh, I believe it's an Indonesian fiddler crab. It's got one giant claw and one small claw, and they're. A, I'm gonna Google that. They are a vegetarian crab. They eat lettuce and stuff oh, wow. like that. They actually eat Missouri tortoise pellets. <laughs> um, but they're about the size of a football. They're giant. Yeah, I saw you holding one. Like, that's, a, that's a big fucking crab. He's actually starting to trust me. He eats out of my hand, and he'll sit in my hand while I feed him. His name is Herb. <laughs> I have a giant crab. That's awesome. <laughs> Jeez. Are you looking at a picture of it? Yeah. That that one claw is massive. Is it a coconut or what? A coconut crab or no, what? No, this you... is this is a fiddler crab. The oh, coconut okay. crabs are actually very hard to keep. I really? read up on them, and that's why I picked this guy's because their maintenance was I think that's the a lot window. lower. It's a lot of crab. It's a big crab. <laughs> that, that, but the size of a football. Holy cow! Yeah, no. They're, like I said, he posted a picture at one point of him holding it, and I was like, "That's." I'll have to go back and look. It's a huge honking crab. That's so cool. <laughs> That's what I like. I like that you're you're so knowledgeable about corn snakes. Oh, my goodness. But then you've got the tortoises, and you've got the crabs, and you've got, you know, cool stuff going on, and it's just so much fun. Like, I, I always learn something when I come talk to you at your table. It's so great. I like some of the – well, because I, I have a salmon ghost from you, but some of the pink corn snakes you produce are just like the Barbie doll pink. They're insane. Yes. So some of my mentors growing up started with JMG had the first pink corn snake originated in the 90s and uh, it spread to a a couple of well-known breeders and I've just, I bought from them and I've just continued their lines and over the years they've just kind of perfected themselves and they're a bright pink. They look amazing. Aren't there several genes in corn snakes that kind of are all like salmon, strawberry? Like they all kind of, they're like pink enhancing. They're probably all the same thing and they've just been named something different by 15 Unfortunately, there are a lot of names that are the same gene, but there is a strawberry gene that gets a reputation of being pink, but it's actually a different type of hypogene. So a true strawberry shouldn't have any pink in it. Well, that's hmm. misleading. That's cool. Yes. But when you have the main pink gene is a red factor gene. It's red factor. And people call it salmon and coral. Yeah, cool. And neon. Those are all the red factor gene. And most of them work with each other. Which makes them kind of the same thing. That makes them the same thing. They, they're the same gene. They do the same thing. Just different people's bloodlines and they named it different things like graham craiglo he named his the cotton candy snow and it was a great name and it got a lot of attention and it's a beautiful line and it's his line and i i continue his line yeah um 
but then you have champagne, which it does make things pink, and it's completely different. Gotcha. So, it works different, doesn't work with the other ones. Right. Gotcha. Does, you have that in ball pythons, too. Yeah. You know, banana and coral glow, same thing, and you know, there's several of them that are... Just depends on who named it. Well, in corns, like we talked about the, the range is so massive, which is one reason why there's so many different traits and genes. Because when you have such a huge range for one species, you're going to have a lot of genetic diversity across that. Yes. And so you, you end up with a lot of stuff. Some of the cool, I mean, a lot of cool stuff. There's a lot of Florida stuff, like those Miami ones, which are just gray and red. Like, that's a really cool look to them. You know, and you have Miami corns that have the orange in their body. You know, it's just a small little pocket that has that nice gray body. Yeah. And that's what everybody is continuously looking for. Well, it's like with the Okatee, uh, originally was a locale, but it's really a, a, a pattern kind of thing, color thing now. So, like, like I said, most of them probably aren't related to the original Okatees anymore. They've all just been kind of like line bred to look the Okatee way now. Yes. Uh, I agree with that 100%. The true Okatee came from South Carolina, from the Okatee Hunt Club. Yeah. And people line bred that. Lee, you know, he... Yeah, the he Lee, line, I mean, yeah. He line bred his specific from that he collected, you know. And you can have a corn snake from Tennessee that looks a lot like it, but... It's not the same. Jerry yeah. Salmon just posted uh, last night a picture of uh, Bob Zappalorty and Joe Jones holding one of the original Okatees that came from Craig Trumbauer, that came from the Okatee Hunting Club, and they've still got it. It's like, it's an old snake, but yeah, he just posted that picture last night. That's cool. Well, that's like one of those, if, if you were to go to the Okatee Hunting Club, that area, and find a corn, it may not look the way you think an Okatee should look because we're so... We're so used to the big, thick black borders and the orange and the red and it looking a certain way. But that's been line bred for years and years and years. Yes. And so that's, you may not, if you go looking for it, it could be an Okatee, but it's not the Okatee <laughs> look. But I, 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 there's, like I said, there's so many different looks to corn snakes. And then also, you know, for, for a lot of years there in the beginning, they've mixed a lot of rat snakes. Like I've always been opposed to creamsicle just because it was a mix of. Yeah, but then you had the, uh, now it's called the castani, but I believe it started out as the mahogany corn. It got brought over from Germany. They perfected it, but it's the first true orange corn snake. So when you make a albino castani, it's called a mandarin, and it's bright orange and white, and it's pure corn. Really? Huh. So he has, he, Russell also has the, um, the imperials. Hybrids. Which yeah. are hybrids. Yeah, you and like those. I will own one one I think, day. <laughs> I think Logan got one of those from you. Uh, <laughs> so what are they again, though? Uh, Imperials, uh, no matter who breeds them and how they mix it, but it's a mix of a California king snake bred to a Honduran milk snake, and then they usually breed that with a Pueblan milk snake. So it's a, a, a cross of three three species that makes them just they know, have the coolest it, it, it really colors. messes that pattern up from whatever <laughs> it was originally so yeah. awesome there's no banding anymore you get like oh. little circles and like a lot of black background body color it's so much fun stripes you get polka dots there was like get. halloween colors on one yes. and like you just each one is different and i'm like i will own one of these one day <laughs> they're cool I, I i i the whole process there of doing that would scare me just because you're putting this thing known for eating other species of snakes and you're going, all right, now I want you to have sex with this one. 
and not eat this one. You've never been a fan of the Collier breads as much as I have, though. I like some. But those, like, if I'm picking out stuff off of a table, I'm always going to the Collier breads. Like, those are, that's, that's where I, my jam is. I, I like boas better. I know. But, but that's okay. Hey, to each their own. I actually have four boas. Do you? But I was going to ask if you do anything other with Collier breads. Is because they are hot pink. They are the sunset. <laughs> oh. Uh, the Hog Island, the Hog Island crosses. Columbian crosses. Oh, boy. Those things, they are some colorful boas. They are. I do like Hog Island. Hog Islands are a cool bow just because they change color night to day. So, like, they'll be really light at some point, and they'll be, they're always really dark and ugly whenever you want to show them to people. <laughs> of course. I, I had a, I had a Hog Island. every snake? They kind of have an ugly attitude also. They can. They can. I, I, I've always been a fan of uh, just the hypogene, and hogs have that natural hypogene to them, so that's what brings a lot of that orange and pink into them. But then I also like, I like hypocolumbians on their own as well. I was going to ask you if you did anything other than colubrids. I do. I, I mean... Snake-wise, at least. The the corn snakes, and of course, you got to have a few milk snakes and king snakes. But uh, I used to do retics, but it was too much to, for me to do by myself. I feel like if you do big snakes, you should have a helper. Wait a minute. Are you trying to be responsible? Try not to. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been told that you can just own like 15 retics, do it all by yourself, and you're fine. Keep them in a, just a Rubbermaid tub. Oh, my gosh. That's fine. <laughs> oh, you know... No, 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 no. I got grabbed by a big retic. I'm a, well, I was a small guy. I've gained a few pounds lately. <laughs> okay, you, Rachel, do okay, that uh, you, you, don't get, okay. you don't get to say shit next to me and Robert. That's, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> um, but I got grabbed. I had outdoor enclosures for oh, my cool. retics. And I got grabbed and I had a wooden boardwalk. And the retic was able to wrap its tail around the fence post. And it drug me out of the cage across the b- wooden boardwalk. And this was when I was younger, living at my parents' house. So, unfortunately, I couldn't yell. It had my head twisted sideways, and it had my hands twisted, Jeez. my legs twisted. So I was kicking and fighting. To, and wow! My, oh my God! My dad came outside and saw it, and came and helped me unravel. But uh, <laughs> where did it bite you? It got me on the arm as I was trying to feed it a rabbit with tongs. It missed the rabbit. And, and the tongue it got, you. got my arm. I mean, it was a 15-foot retic. It was a big... That's a lot of retic. It was a lot of retic. And I was like, you know what? Unless I have somebody helping me, this... So, let me ask you your personal opinion. Does it weird you out when you see so many people come into a, a reptile show and buy a retic? It's like, their first snake. And just, they plan on taking Like, do you worry, like, what's going to happen? I chuckle a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, everybody has to learn. I think... Yeah. Everything you do in life is a learning experience. You hope they don't learn the way you learned. I like to tell my stories to people in hopes that they don't do the same thing I do, but then I do it again. <laughs> well, you also have a background with some crocodilians where you used to travel and do shows, right? I did. I joined the circus when I was 22 and traveled the U.S. doing an animal thrill show. What? How you did being, I not you, know about you this? You being part of the circus does not surprise me. How did I not know about this? <laughs> Please tell me you dressed up as a clown at some point. Uh, I had many outfits. Uh, okay, that sounds creepy when you say it that way. I don't... <laughs> well, I mean, it's a it's a show. So, actually, I was in Vegas for the Circus Circus. Uh, oh, cool. The guy that I traveled with is a big-time guy, Brian Staples. He does uh, primatology. He does all the monkeys in movies and on TV. 
Uh, and he's this is so cool. still around today. <laughs> and I, I still go do shows when he's in town with him. Uh, so that it's pretty so neat. fun. So some more of the circus thing. What, what, did you, what did you do in the circus? I learned how to ride a unicycle. I rode a camel. I wrestled alligators on stage. I did the kiss of the cobra. Mm-mm. You know, I did all the thrill show stuff that, you know, fireworks on so stage. So you have to be crazy to do. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. Like, the cobra kissing thing, I, I, I pass on that. Yeah, it's, it's frowned upon nowadays. <laughs> Back then, it was... <laughs> Back then, we got away with a lot more. So, yes. You've reached an age now where you look back at that and go, what the fuck was I thinking? You know, I just, I listened to my family and parents. They asked me if I would not do the venomous uh, because they cared about me. <laughs> and I sometimes have a reputation of, of pushing my limits. So. Look, I once had a very wise man tell me that if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. And I feel like that may be your philosophy in life. <laughs> you know, I, in my spare time, I do like to race motorcycles. And when you push yourself, there's that point where you pushed yourself too far. You know, yeah. it's going to happen. If you don't push yourself, then you're not pushing yourself. Yeah, I mean, you have a thousand corn snakes i think you've pushed yourself on breeding corn snakes yeah but they all are different and they're all different colors that that is one thing i, I can only but, imagine like every drawer you open something it's, it's but you have complete. to also remember that he doesn't have this is his, this job. Is his yeah, job yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. so i did actually you know i i did concrete for nine years and before that i was uh toyo a technician for toyota i built toyotas and traveled um, those two jobs just seem so boring compared to Working in a circus, or even breeding, breeding snakes, snakes? Yeah. full time. So, I quit my job last year. Uh, so I started doing this full time last year. So I've been with, all in for one. This this is my second season all in. And with corn snakes, I mean, you can pretty much breed those things year round, right? So I mean, you can you probably always have eggs. So the way I had it set up was I had two rooms, and I could brewmate one room one part of the year and pull those out and breed those and keep the other ones brumated later and then pull those out and breed those. So I had a break because making a couple thousand babies all at the same time. Oh man. One, trying to find somebody to supply you 3000 pinkies a week to feed your 3000 baby corn snakes. That's the only reason your friends is a challenge. Friends with a rodent breeder now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> don't you know, call him I, out like that. I see that. how she's like. If I just travel to shows don't with a rodent breeder, like I can get Come on now. now. You know, he actually he could be his best customer. <laughs> I hope I keep him in business. You know, <laughs> it, this is all about supporting your friends. This hobby is Absolutely. all about yep. you know helping others around you succeed, and in that you <laughs> succeed also. So I hope he does become. A giant rodent breeder. And yes, I hope he does give me a great deal on pinkies. <laughs> well, that's why every time I see someone post about wanting a corn snake, I just always put your name in there. Like, yeah. If I was going to go for corn snakes, that's where I'm going. And, the, one and of the I things, appreciate that. One of the things that impressed me the most the first time, and it's the reason I have the reason I have the corn snake I do from you, is because you brought adults. Like, that's the one problem with, yes. with corn snakes is that as babies, 
they don't look the way they're going to look as adults for a lot of them. And it's hard to explain that this snake, I promise, will be this color when it gets older. And you had a whole bunch of like full grown adults. You go, look, this is, see how he said, I said it's going to be pink? Yeah. It will look like this snake. Just yeah, like that- at the show today, yeah. I have a sub adult version of the babies. And it's actually the babies from the same parents that I raised up to sh- quality control just to make sure that what I'm telling you is correct. And uh, so you can see that this little pink corn snake, and this is a two year old sub adult, this is what it's going to turn into. Yeah. It's nice seeing that bigger version. Uh-huh. And well, pictures yeah, don't do it justice. Because even like when we talk about okatees, like a baby okatee doesn't look like an okatee. It doesn't look like what you think it's going to look like when it's right. an adult. There's a huge change. There's a huge change. Well, like so, we've talked about so many times with black milks. That's why they we don't think black milks are so popular in the hobby because they're not black when they're little. Right. You know, they, they look like a milk snake and not even a pretty milk snake. Yeah. But boy, you have a couple adults on your table and everybody's oh, man. like, man, that's the most beautiful Mexican black king snake I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. like, Why is it so big? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's again, that's one that I would I'm like pumped. to see more. I'm ready for mine to get big. Well, like with Slowinski's corn snakes, I've been looking for them forever. And then you were like, hey, Russell's got some on his table Yeah. at the end of the day at a show. And I went over there and ended up taking all of them home. Yep, it happens. Yeah. yeah. But that's another one where people will walk by it because you do have a pink snake, a purple snake, an orange snake. And then you have the Slowinski's, which are like a dirt brown snake. And if you're not into that kind of thing... You'll walk right by it without looking at it and realizing kind of the history. And kind of, it's actually a cool snake because those things get, I mean, we had one when I worked at the zoo. They get big. If you're used to a corn snake, Slowinski I get bigger than a regular corn snake. Yeah. I mean, they're a honking corn snake. That, and they change so much from a baby to an adult. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, I love the color changes. All right. Let's, let's let Russell get back to his table and Robert get back to his stuff and well, I'll do whatever I'm going to do. But, Russell, if you want to get a hold of you and talk to you and find out what corn snakes you do have available. What can we do? Um, Russell Southard on Facebook. Ru- um, Russell Southard. Russell Southard on Facebook. Uh, I do have, post on Morph Market under Urban Croc Hunter, which is my email. Um, yeah. One of those Come to ni- One of those 90s uh, email <laughs> names that yeah. you wonder why you made that when you were a teenager. I still have a Hotmail. My main email is a Hotmail, and everybody goes, you still have Hotmail? I like, I've had it forever, and... I'm not going to change it because then i got to deal with everything else. (laughs) That's the email I use for everything. Yep. And, of course, you can see me at any Herp show. Uh, Yes. Find the table covered in corn snakes. That's it. Yep. Or the moon crabs at some point. I I bring a mix sometimes. You know, you got to have a little bit of variety to catch somebody's attention. That is true. All right. We're out. We're out. out. Thank you for coming over here. Bye. All right, we are back at the Brian College Station Herbs Reptile Show, and we have Lee and Amanda Reddy of Reddy's Rainforest. How are y'all doing? All doing good. We're doing good today. So let's, we'll get the first part out. What do y'all breed? We breed panther chameleons. Yeah, fancy chameleons. I haven't I haven't gotten to walk around at all because I was up front. Yeah, this is the first time all this weekend you've been able to record. Lori is back, so I get a little break from the front. So I love panther chameleons. I'll have to come by and check them out. I've had, they are the most colorful chameleon. That's awesome. I had one. I had a friend give me a, an adult. So it only like once I got it, it only lived like a couple of years and then it was done. But uh, it was really pretty. All the bright colors and all. I just, chameleons scare me because I know me and I'm not patient enough to, like, that's why I do snakes because I can put them in a, in a drawer and leave them alone for a week and they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. They're habitat specific. Yeah. They are. But uh, they're, they're fairly easy to care for. 
I mean, pe- people overcomplicate it. So what is what are some of the things that people can do to keep chameleon to make it easier, I guess, so that it doesn't seem so overwhelming for a chameleon? Because I know a lot of people get chameleons and. and a lot of chameleons, unfortunately, don't make it right. due to bad care. But what are some things people can do to make it easier on them and the chameleon? Uh, the, the, the biggest thing is is don't keep them so wet. Everybody, everybody wants to treat them like a fish. They're not, they're not a fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they, they like spikes in humidity. Yeah. But they also like dry. They're dry shedders. They, they, can, they can only shed their skin on lower humidity. Oh, really? Yeah. So, you can, you know, I mean, you can create bacterial infections in the skin that way. So. Oh, wow. It is a myth, though, on how that they're hard to take care of. They're really not. It's just setting them up right the first time. If you need to scoot your chair around, you can do whatever you need to do. To and uh, our panthers seem to be some of the easier to care for. In our opinion, yes, they are easier yeah. than, like, Jackson's or... Which is know, a shame because I like, love the Triceratops look of a Jackson's yeah, chameleon. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my favorite... Uh, my favorite Jacksons is the Mount K, Mount Kenya Jacksonese. Yeah. They're, they're very impressive. Males and females have horns. I just remember as a kid, like, the first time I saw a picture of one, and, and you know, as a kid, you grow up, like, in dinosaurs. You're like, well, that's a dinosaur. Yes. I think I was the only kid that didn't like dinosaurs. Well, you're also not, you weren't a reptile person. I was not a reptile person. I'm married into right. it. That is true. <laughs> so, but I had a kid once in, in one of my classes think that rhinos were dinosaurs because they had horns. And I'm like, that's not the distinguishing feature that makes things something a dinosaur. Plus, dinosaurs are uh, extinct. <laughs> so, kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Kind of a problem there. James, James is a biology teacher, high school biology Small teacher. Yeah. So, yeah. so I meet, I meet the special kids of the future, yeah. and it's horrifying. So yeah. we would say if you want to get a panther, your setup needs to be a screen cage. Not a glass tank. No, don't put them in a glass tank. It's not a fish. <laughs> you know, And give them three layers of sticks to climb on so you can do hot, medium, and cool. And then the animal knows you know, how to go down to mm-hmm. heat itself up or to cool down. And then you would put a regular uh, incandescent light bulb on the top for heat. In the winter, we do 60 watt. In the summer, we do 40 watt because, you know, your house is regulated anyway. Yeah. And then, of course, every reptile has to have the UVB bulb. Right. Now, yes. Out of curiosity, because this is, a, this is a conversation we have quite often on the podcast. When you say every house is regulated... What is your thermostat set on at your house? Yeah, so, what are you calling regulated? Okay, so yeah, you know, a lot of people, they'll come over to our house and they're like, how are y'all not burning up? Well, number one, we're skinny. So, you know, we get oh, cold. Yeah. We're not. In. You know, we get cold. So, you know, not. our thermostat for our house stays on about 72, 73. But oh, that's now, not bad. That's not horrible. Yeah. Now, the room that they're in, it's set on the front side of the house which the sun sets in the front so it does get warmer in there and we have to turn a fan on just because the room gets so hot you know but it's not because of you know the the chameleons or anything so yeah our but, thermostat set on 68 year round yeah so. see now we don't do that yeah, we're too skinny for that yeah, no. so you just run a 60 watt bulb all yeah, year you long just, yeah okay gotcha. but like yeah, you my, just change your bulb for that my now, reptile room we keep it, it in the 75 78 in there yeah, yeah. I, I, that's good temperature. Also, yeah. I, I got to do this just because of the free plug. So we talked about UV bulbs. Like I give a free plug to uh, if you want a good UVB, UVB bulb, you can check out VivTech Products for a LED UVB bulb and use code GUMBO22 for 15% off. I should get that in there. There you so go. Because I love mine. That's good. I'm fixing to, I'm fixing to give those a have shot. Have you tried? The, oh, man. They're give them a shot on great. some of our baby they're, razors. Well, they're great because they're, they're, you don't have to have a – it's not a tube. And they also – they last for like up to four – right now he says up to four years, but that's still going. Like it's still giving the UVB that you need at that. And the distance from the bulb is greater than what 
you can get out of some of the like, the coil bulbs and stuff. Ah, okay, yeah, we're we're running linear bulbs right now uh, because the chameleons need a, a full spectrum of yeah. lighting, you know, through the cage. But for the baby razors or smaller cage, smaller species, yeah, it'll probably be perfect. He, he does. Um, he has a dimmable one now too. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So you can oh. like you can put it on a, like a harp stat and bring it up in the morning and bring it down and then you can put the meter under it and it's there's it's dimming the what it's putting out too wow it's pretty awesome he uh so when he first was releasing them they put out almost no visible light oh really but people were like but i want to see the light and he's like but you don't need to see the light it's i built these for the animal he had to put brighter lights in them because yeah. wow um yeah. people were just so I, i've told this story a few times we have a, a bearded dragon that we got that was in pretty bad condition when we got her and uh, I, that's most bearded dragons yeah i had her for about a year and got her pretty healthy and and then um we bought. I ordered a light the day Ryan released them. I say Ryan's around in Erica. Yeah, make I mean, she's she's the CEO. She is. Um, anyway, I uh, put it on that beardy, and she's in a forty breeder bioactive. And when I turned it on, she was on the other end of the tank, and I saw her pick her head up and look towards the UV, and she ran to that UV and just splayed out under it, and yeah. laid there for like three days. Wow. I said that tells me that T5 that I've had in there was not giving her what she needed, but that VivTech did. Right. And yeah. she is so much healthier. Now she's been on that about a year now, I guess. Yeah. Oh wow. She yeah. is so much healthier than she ever was. So my Euros, my bearded, my tortoises are all on them. I yeah. love them. Yeah. Yeah. We we use uh the solar meter. Yeah. UVB mm-hmm. meter. Yeah. And chame- chameleons, Panther chameleons, they like it about three three point is where where you want to keep them on their UV scale. Yeah. So uh, they're 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 pretty easy. And uh, supplementation is a big controversy out there and uh, on chameleons, whether they need all this D3, you know, with proper lighting and stuff like that. And they don't need as much D3 as people are giving them. It's actually causing health issues because they're over supplementation. I heard that. And because that gets tricky because like monitor people, uh, some of them have found ways to supplement and not have to do UVB and they've had great success. But the problem is a monitor and a chameleon aren't the same thing right right you know and for somebody who's just getting started in reptiles or someone who marries in you know you always hear the oh they have to have this they have to have this they have to have this but you don't think about well, what's going to happen if they have too much it's just like with humans like you know our our friend dr travis wyman he told me a few years ago he's like look you cannot overdose on vitamin c yeah. You can take as much as you need. However, if you take 3,000 milligrams at one time, you're going to have a bad stomach ache. And you may be stuck in the bathroom for a while. So yeah. take some in the morning. But those gummies taste a little so while good. later. And some a little while later. And he's like, spread it out. But that's, you know, it's the same thing. If you give your animal too much of a good thing, it becomes a bad thing. Yes, yes. I, I agree with that. And then like uh, with vitamin A, vitamin A is very important to chameleons because you know they rely on their eyesight and people always seem to have eye issues yeah so eye issues can come from too much vitamin a uh over your supplementations or not enough vitamin a and they haven't proven that they digest beta carotene yet gotcha so they have to have preformed version of vitamin a which is in a couple of different supplements out there the rapashi uh has one uh, I think uh, Zumed has a Reptibite that has a preformed vitamin A in there, and so they can, they can absorb that. So but is the, is this like drops that you put in their water, or is it like uh, a pe- well, like it, a food it, that they'll eat? It's or? just a powder. powder. You just dust, oh, okay. the, that dust the insects with. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But the but the thing is, is it, it's it's great, but it's also dangerous because if you, if you do it every day, 
that's too much vitamin A and you'll end up with eye issues and get like, it's a fat soluble vitamin. So they don't just remove it from their body. It just stores stores up in there okay. and builds up. So are they an animal? Because we talk about giving too much of something and we've talked about it a lot on the, on the podcast, especially with snakes. Uh, are they an animal that is easy to overfeed? Because you know, that's a problem with a lot. There's a lot of species out there that can get fat. But, I mean, chameleons, I don't know how easy it is to overfeed a chameleon. I mean, chameleons are pretty good at monitoring their self. Uh, I have seen very few obese chameleons, and usually you can tell that by the tops of their heads. That is their fat pads on the top of their head. Gotcha. And so, I mean, if they start bulging out of the top, you might want to cut back on the, <laughs> on the silkworms, hornworms. You got a fat head. Oh yeah, exactly. But, I mean, you know, uh, it, it's good to keep them, I, I, I say it's good to keep them, you know, a, a nice good fat head on them. Yeah. Because you want them to be hydrated and healthy because, you know, they're in captivity. You want them to thrive, not just survive. Right. right. Well, and you said that they they will adjust to their light that they need because you said the tank needed, like, layers for the branches for them yeah, to Yeah, if you on. put, you need to put, you know, at least three layers so they can do hot, medium, and cold. And so, yeah, they're going to know, okay, you know what, I've been hanging out here by the heat a lot, and I'm hot, and, they'll and move. they will go That's down. That's so cool. You know, so, and they'll know, and you'll and they'll find their places where they want to sleep, where it's the, you know, they can temperature regulate pretty good. That's awesome. You know, they, and now they will sit sometimes under their heat lamp with their mouth open, and they are thermal regulated. They are like fine. They're not dragon. angry. Yeah. No. You know, they're just like doing like a bearded dragon, you know. And it's yeah. like, and then they go, you know what? Maybe I should move down. Like when you're hanging out in your backyard and you're like, you know what? It is hot. Let me go in the house. You know? Right. I used to always love when I worked at the zoo and I had the alligators and alligators laying there with their mouths open. People walk by. Look how angry they are. I'm like, it's just laying there. Yeah. Yeah. Just thermal regulating. Everybody you know? always says that cotton mouth looks angry. I'm like. I, it just looks like a cotton mouth. I mean, you know, it's funny. If you have resting bitch face, they can't help it. Yeah. So I knew that about the alligators, and I, I've i never made the connection that that's what the lizards are doing as well. Yeah, they can't that sweat. Makes same thing. So same thing. Much sense. Well, think of a dog. They yeah. pant. You know, a dog right. pants. Can't sweat. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. You know, it's like, I guess because see, the- you got to think simple. <laughs> I overthink everything. You've got to think. Just be simple. Yeah. That is true. I overthink everything. So another thing with, with chameleons you always get is that they uh, they stress out easy. That's one of the things that people say is they stress out easy. And I, and I know that shows. I have to see it because you'll see someone go buy a chameleon. And they're like, I'm going to walk around the show with it. And then that thing is solid black. And like you can tell it's just freaking out. What is the proper way of handling how often to keep your animal from stressing out? For me, I really, you know, I hear that a lot, and I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen a stressed chameleon, like, that's not being held in a deli cup. Yeah. You know, now that's different. You know, it's like, could you imagine being put in a deli cup? Yeah. You know, and you're an animal that's supposed to be on a stick? At least put them <laughs> on a stick. You know, it's like, you know, but I don't know. I mean, like, if you go over and look at Chandler, you know, he's with us, and he's an adult, and I mean, he'll just sit on... When he's all colored know, up and yeah, everything. It, I mean, he doesn't care. You know, it's like, and I don't know if that's maybe, you know, they get used to handled more... Or he's with me all the time. I'm in the room with him working on crafts and, he, yeah. you know, in there. I don't know. But yeah, so I, I'm assuming deli cup and a wild caught scenario. The people, that's that's the what people's cages a lot of them are like Florida caught chameleons. And wild caught chameleons. I mean, I, you throw them we, in a box. We, we deal and we want to get as close to wild and captivity as possible. We don't we don't selectively bred, breed for the colors. Yeah. We, we let nature 
choose the colors. Well, Madagascar did it right, so we don't need to change it. You know? I love it. I right. Love you, it. you mean you don't know better than millions of years of evolution? I love no, it. No, no. It's like, no, I don't. You, all the people that are trying to breed, you know, we're not saying it's bad, but we do not try to breed for a specific look, especially something that's already out there. Yeah. You know, people, oh, we breed blue and bonjas. Well, guess what? There is a nosy bee, and it's solid blue. It you know, it already like, exists. You know, it already is there. Like, leave it alone. You know, we just try to go for the wild-caught, wild-type look. Yeah. As close to Madagascar as you can get. You know, there is, we talked about this last week with Russell mm-hmm. and Conroe with corn snakes, that you don't see just a true normal to that area. And that's what y'all are going for right, these yes. millions. Pure, pure, that's pure localities cool. is what we what we strive for. We have we oh for over a decade now. We've been we've been working with Panther Million localities. Uh, it, it's it's a passion of ours. And so another uh, thing with the stress that I see is that yeah there is a lot of wild cots yeah in the hobby still, and uh, a wild chameleon is going to stress quite a bit more than a captive bred animal. Uh, and, and that can probably calm down once you get it home, get it set up, and yes. get it done. Don't walk around the reptile show with it on your hand for the first time ever, as it just came out of the South Florida like a week ago. Right. Uh, Whereas yeah. if you were to get a captive bred one yes. and then walk yeah. around with it, it's very likely going well, yeah, to be, been, handle the situation It's been raised better. up inside your house and been fed by a person, not, yes. <laughs> not yes. by yes. itself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and they're, they're used to humans, you yeah. know, more than, than a wild collected. and. Not saying that they can't stress. I've seen a captive bred stress, uh, especially at shows. But usually, it's due to mishandling. Yeah. And put putting them putting in. Putting them in a deli cup. Putting them in a deli cup. Letting them shake. Yeah, around. they don't really have feet made for doing no. that. No, no. Those I mean, oven that, mitts they have for yeah, feet don't. A, they are for grabbing, not you know walking around on a flat surface. It's like that's yeah. They almost need like a little travel box that has sticks in it mm-hmm. for them. Yes, yes, and we and we provide that. We actually have, awesome. we have a yeah. whole setup over there. We got a stick and a vine in there for them to hold on to while you're transforming yeah. your house. Uh, because their feet, I mean, they have a hard time holding on to paper towels. You put a little paper towel in there, they're going to... Yeah, it all balls up and right. they kind of freak over. out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and then, I mean, they're, they're forced on their side and then, then and they And again, can that's out. just about setting them up right, you know. Yep. Like, just yep. that one time. Because, well, I mean, uh, last time we were here, we had, oh, what is it, Lone Star uh, Chameleons, oh, yeah. Chameleons. Yes. And, and he's got a good setup, too, when he's here. They're all on branches, and you can kind of see them, and they're very colorful. That's another thing you can tell with Chameleons. Like, you can tell... When they're, they're, because of the color, you can kind of tell when they're stressed. If they yep. if they don't look right, it's easy right. to tell that they don't look right. Yes. Yeah. Usually, look at their eyes. Yeah. So, if you ever go see one in a deli cup, look how the eyes are, like, sunk down in their head. That's when they're bothered. Yeah, it's, it's a hydration and a stress issue. I mean, I mean, usually, you can you can tell a healthy chameleon fairly easy. I mean, I guess, I guess we need to be out there more. We, we, we Every time we're at the table, we're out there informing everybody we can i mean anybody can stop by and ask us any questions we'll, yeah, we we'll love be... educating yeah well, i was about to say and it 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 also when you when you know what to look for and what makes it a healthy or like the setup at the show or things like that i mean i saw you guys at your table a minute ago and y'all were we were getting ready to start and james was like oh they're they're talking to somebody we'll go get them in a minute and y'all were y'all were in front of the table you were talking to them about stuff well, 
but it We're it'll Capricorn, help so <laughs> both of us it'll help you know it'll also help the person who's looking to buy one make a better choice on getting a healthy pet yes if they know what to look for for what a breeder has yes and yes. some people are just interested you know they want to get a chameleon later down the road you our know, daughter want, wants one they, they want to take their time and get their enclosure set ups and stuff like that and we're fine with that you know you don't you don't have to buy a chameleon from us if you just want to come talk chameleons with us come talk chameleons with us we love it well, well, definitely. We, we've had a lot of people come up to us just in the last two days of i had chameleons and this happened you know, or I yeah. had them in this. So I don't want any more. You know, and I'm like, well, tell me why. You know, what happened? Was a lot of bad experiences. You with know, millions. yes, yeah. there is, that's, and it's it's. We we had we talked about it last uh, when Ours we were down were in Corpus. Veiled. We uh we got veiled, and it was it was a very first millions got one was way early on, and we bought them way too young. I mean, they I mean, were they small, were tiny, and tiny. uh and and they just they, they didn't thrive. They didn't make it. And years later, I talked to somebody. Yeah, you shouldn't have bought them that young. And this they was were. 15 years ago, so we really didn't know nearly as much then as we do now. So. Oh, no, yeah. They, well, they, and, you know, they make better bulbs now. They make better yes, supplements yes. now. They make, you know, all that stuff's getting so much better for the animals. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when we first got into it, you know, the UVB bulb you got was in an aquarium store. <laughs> and, and and you you were lucky to get one 1. 1.2 reading UVB really reading out of those bulbs so you had to take them outside during the nice weather so they could get their the right amount of supplementation because you didn't want to give them too much d3 calcium right then they'll get fatty liver disease and we had an extra screen cage set up in our backyard with a plant in it and i would just take like when we had we had a uh, we had the panther. we had the big panther and someone gave us a was a ustalets chameleon and so we would just like rotate them in the cage outside and let them get some sunlight um but that's definitely that was still like eight years ago, ten years ago. Yeah, it was a while yeah. Back. bulbs are yeah. getting better every day. Yeah. Oh yeah. And in yeah. chameleons, you sell an animal. It takes, it takes more talking to the customer than say selling someone a ball python. And I'm not downplaying ball pythons, but there's just a different care for a chameleon that you need to make sure that person is ready to do that care and they're prepared for it because it's not just uh, here's your lizard, have a good day. Well, you can't go home and put it in a shoebox. Yeah. You know, and I mean, yeah. it's like almost every other reptile you basically can. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say. Like, put it in a shoebox and put a heat pad on it and you're good. Yeah, yeah. even like our my leopard gecko that I have in my classroom. The leopard yeah, gecko thing. versus the chameleon. It's like night and day as yeah. far as care yeah. goes. Well, see, we talked yesterday about bearded dragons. Bearded dragons suffer kind of from that. Everybody wants to keep them simple. But they're really one that needs a kind of a complex setup as yeah. well. And, and we sell them as a beginner lizard because they're a great lizard once set up properly yeah that's exact that's how it is with panthers they are beginner if you set it up right you know i mean they're perfect for children of all ages they're perfect for everybody yeah you don't come into either one of those lizards trying to be cheap no no no. i mean that's the whole thing but you can be simple yes sure you can be simple just get those few staple items that yeah the bulb's gonna cost you a lot of money you know but now the incandescent bulb's not gonna cost you nothing not right you know i mean but the pictures and yeah but if you get that uv light and and you can say and you can say 15 percent at gumbo 22 code (laughs) use that as saying funny hey i'm about to use that after the show and go down there we've used it don't feel bad (laughs) but but if you you know like you said that setup yeah it's a 120 dollar bulb but it lasts but it lasts you so long that it, it's worth it in the long run, and that run. animal needs it. It's not right. like you're. Right. It's not one of those. Op- that's the problem with. And it's, it's really a lot of pets, but reptiles suffer from the. Well, can I get away with doing this? No, you can't in this case. You can't get away with going and buying a cheap bowl from Walmart. There's nothing there that does this. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it, it's habitat specific, needs specific. Yeah. Even with yes. bearded dragons, bearded dragons have to have that UVB. Yes. They have to. 
Oh yeah, I've walking. seen the damage. You see, I mean, when you we've gotten so we've I never have, bought one, and we always get them. Say, the one I have in my classroom right now, right now had meta- metabolic bone disease, and like her joints are like all knobby. Yes. Now yes. she has function of her legs again. She did not, and she's eating again, and she was not, and so she's getting better. But before I introduce her to any of my kids in my classroom, I have to explain why, why she, she might looks- look different than one that they have at home for a pet. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, UVBs. Uh, very important aspect uh, actually a lot of reptiles in the industry and and people don't even put a thought into it most of the time you know it's amazing they're like oh well you know it's, it's got uh, heat whatever yeah it's know? got heat it, it's done tortoises are one that suffer from that because tortoises are so tough yes but man do they need uvb like oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and plus it also helps their shells out yes. it helps mm-hmm. their you know just their overall well-being yeah uh skin scales you know i mean I, i've seen the difference in between one that's kept inside versus one that's kept outside or one inside with uvb and one without uvb i mean they're very resilient yeah. animals but the overall health of the animal is is day and night different yeah especially when you're talking about animals that go out and actively bask in the sunlight not animals that are just going like in the shade to get warm but they actually they you'll see them seek out the sunlight and we talked about before on our show that the problem with reptiles is most reptiles are so tough that they can go through a lot of horrible conditions until they suffer. But like chameleons are a little more on the sensitive side compared to other things. So like people tend to catch that earlier. Yes. I'm not taking care of this thing right. And they got sick and it died a lot quicker than say a bearded or a tortoise will. Yeah. It's not going to last as long sick. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, improper care on, on a chameleon, the expiration date of that animal is going to be much quicker than a tortoise or a bearded dragon or, or a leopard gecko. Yeah. You know. Now, are chameleons similar to other reptiles in the sense that once you see the symptoms of it not doing well, there's really like, uh, depends on what it is. So, okay. I mean, if, if you can pick the symptoms up pretty quick, they are very strong healers. I mean, we, okay. we, we've gotten wild cots in, and you know how wild cots are treated yeah and these guys are being plucked from a tree in the middle of the night in madagascar thrown in a bag left left in a pile for a couple of days and then it's amazing they make it here right yes yes and we get them in and uh give them proper lighting plenty of water and uh we don't even worry about treating them at the beginning for any kind of internal parasites we want them hydrated and fed hydration is a very big part of their life which a lot of it comes from their feeders and not really because i was going to ask how how you go because you always hear with chameleons they have to have a drip system or moving water they to be able to drink they can't drink out of a bowl you know they have such great eyesight but they cannot see standing water you know so yes you do have to mist them or drip you know whichever way you prefer we use a mist king and then i hand mist all the babies and um it's really they don't get as much they do drink but they don't get all that hydration from that water as much as they do your feeders yeah i'd say 60 to 80 percent of their moisture comes from their feeders you know it's always important to do a varying diet you know i mean you can feed just crickets but why? You know, right. you, well, you be, like uh, horned worms would be good. That's a lot of moisture. Yes, or yes, dubia yes, roaches. Yes. That's going to be a lot of moisture. Horned worms, anytime we see one that looks like it might have like deflated fat pads, you didn't pump them horn worms down them. Yeah. Oh. Yes. You know, they're going to love it. That's yes. cool. So I was told by Sean Gray that I had to ask you about raising Katie Dids. Raising <laughs> Katie Dids. Okay. So, yeah. Raising Katie Dids is very fun and and fairly simple. The sound is insane. That, really, that that is the it thing that's like going to get really you. Sounds like a really loud zipper in so, the middle of the night. <laughs> so raising Katie Dids is almost the exact same environment as raising a chameleon. 
So if, if you can go big screen enclosures and let them go to town, screen enclosures, uh, warm spot, uh, you know, mistings because they drink, they drink water off pedals and stuff like that. Uh, they are great feeders. I was just about to ask, is this for a food store? Yes. Yes. You never yes. know. No, he just, the reptile loves, community. just located. Yeah. Well, I mean, you never know. The, one, the reptile the, community, is it going to be for a pet? Is it going to be for a feeder? So That's I true. We know. have Madagascar hits and cockroaches as well. Uh, wow. I, I have Halloween hissers over there. Yeah, we do too. Evil as pets. <laughs> yep. Because I love cockroaches. I do not. I'm but going to them. be having some emeralds coming soon because, yes, yep. a purple and green roach. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to Google it. Sean Gray was always fascinated with our uh, Florida giant katydids. Well, that's that. That's what we had that we were breeding at the time. And he got to meet our Parsons back in the day. Uh, uh, that's such are, an impressive chameleon. Oh, yes. Parsons chameleons? Yeah. yeah. The first time I saw one in person was a DFW, her, was it Herpetarium? How is it? Was it whatever. Herpetarium. <laughs> yeah. I walked in. It was right there when you walked in. I was like, that's a big fucking chameleon. Right. Like, it, it's a dog. On, yeah. On yeah. Yes. And so there's actually localities of those that a lot of people don't know because they're not out in the, in the they're very hard to breed. Very hard to breed. Uh, hatch rate is, you know, I mean, you could wait up to two years for an egg to hatch. Jesus Christ. On those. <laughs> Uh, but they like they got like golden eye or white lip is what they call them. The yellow giants are massive. They are a a, a, a massive chameleon. It's a chihuahua. Yes, yes. <laughs> with a with a big long with a tail. tail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they got uh, like called yellow lips. Yellow lips are amazing. They got a yellow band around their lips, and they're blue, actually really like emerald blue bodied. Really. Yeah. Very impressive. Uh, back to, sorry, I got sidetracked by the giant chameleon. So back to the katydids. You, yeah. You're producing katydids. And, and we talked yesterday, you said the ones you produce don't bite because chameleons have a, a fairly sensitive skin. And, like, crickets will go to town on them if you leave them in there too long. The wrong cricket. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of feeder insects are that way. You know, they're opportunistic feeders. You know, they're going to eat whatever you put, them, oh. put in, the, in the enclosure. Uh, you know, we talk about gut loading a lot, you know, gut loading fruits, vegetables, grains, stuff like that. Something beneficial for the bug, but it also keeps the bug full so it won't chew on the animal. And yeah, part of the reason was the the katydids, you know, they only eat vegetation. They only eat like a romaine lettuce, uh, rose, rose flowers, leaves, stuff like that. Uh, they, they'll eat privets, but you don't want to feed your katydids privets because they're toxic to the reptiles. Gotcha. That's also important to know when you when you have feeders is to not feed them things that are going to hurt your yes, whatever like, is going to be eating it. Yeah, you know, like I hear people say, you know, well, you know, I, I, I gut load, but they're gut loading with avocado. You don't gut load with avocado. Avocado is very toxic to yeah. a lot of uh, reptiles out there. A lot of, I'm allergic to it, too. Say a lot of animals out there, <laughs> too. Well, My mom's allergic. The pit of an avocado is really dangerous, too. Like, you can't like let dogs, dogs. put you yeah, on Yes, that. yes. And, uh, you know, I mean, and, and the katydids were simple. They were fun. They were noisy at night. Oh, at night. It, the biggest zipper, like high-quality, like <laughs> Louis Vuitton bag zipper ever, but really fast you know, and they get big oh, these are big ones they, they get, these get really big do you have any here yeah. with you no, no. i do not no. I'm, I'm actually trying to acquire them again uh i got a few buddies there in florida that uh we have we have them down here in south texas just not as much gotcha. uh, there's a there's another imitation species out there that you uh, the can the red eyed devil in South Texas. Oh yeah, but, but that's carnivorous. That's yeah. carnivorous. Oh. Katie did. <laughs> Jeez. It, uh, literally, it looks like a red eyed devil. Yeah, yeah. Scary. If you ever look up red eyed devil, Katie did. I don't have my phone on me. Google that real quick. Scary. <laughs> so are there uh, 
legality issue. Like, so I know a guy out in California who breeds a lot of grasshoppers. Yes. And uh, Kai Fan, he breeds a lot of grasshoppers, and he has it, like there's legality things about sending them uh, across state lines or here or there because of like agriculture and stuff. Yes, yes. And so, well, katydids are not an invasive species. There you go. See that? What? Yes. Told you. Scary. It looks like the bad guy from a bug's life. A bug's life. Yeah, you cannot feed that Katie did. No. Nothing. <laughs> that thing looks like it's going to mess you up. Spiky legs and red eyes. Yeah. And, yeah. That, that's going to jack somebody Jeez. up. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, uh, so from my understanding of that is, is invasive species already cannot transport them across state lines. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, I guess l- that Florida can't have dubias. Right. right. Yes. Yeah. Florida yes. can't have anything. Yeah. Not anymore. They can it, have, well, it has everything. That's it's why. already there. Yeah. Yeah. That's what always kills me. Like, you can't own this. Well, you already have them. Like, what? I is, just got in the yard. I'm sure. Right. So that's one of those panthers there. So that's one of those yeah. things where it's a catch twenty two with like the chameleons down there. I'm all for them catching wild chameleons from there and selling them. But the problem is, a lot of them are put there so they can breed and catch them and sell them. Like that's the that right. was the problem. And then like I've heard some like some horror stories about areas where like you are not allowed to go in there and hunt chameleons because they will that is their area to hunt chameleons and you may not make it back out of that area are you serious oh yeah in florida yeah wow yes. i understand yes. madagascar that, no there's there's a people that have their spot for chameleons and in if you florida. go there you may not make it home yeah that's totally <laughs> something like i i would think of like well, in madagascar, madagascar yeah right because yeah, you know. that's yeah. how pe- these people i mean that's how they make their living well no you yeah. read you read the old book the i did read Lizard king the and all king. about how people back were in the like 70s and 80s yeah. i mean it's i guess i just didn't think some of those people are still alive Yes. But it is still going on. But, I mean, that's where a lot of, you see a lot of wild cuts. Because Madagascar is one of those weird places. Depending on who's in charge, they open and they close. They open and they close. Yes. I want to say that yes. I want to say chameleons were mentioned in that book. I'm sure. There's, there's been, whole pockets down there. There's there's pockets where you can find panthers. There's pockets where you can find veils. Like, 13 years since I read the book. I mean, there's I read also it places where you can find monkeys. But yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's where most of the chameleons come from, though. Yeah. But, yeah, that, you know, that, all the that, natives that. are terrified of them. You know, they yeah. think they're going to get the laughing disease if really? they touch yeah, them. Yeah, if they touch them. So that's why they don't mess with them. They don't mind burning their trees down because they're afraid of the panthers. That's crazy. I don't know why they think they're going to get the laughing disease, but, you know, that's That's what they call it. That's a a friend of ours, Olaf Pronk, back in the day. He lived on He passed away a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. he passed away a few years ago from the plague. Yikes. Wow. Uh, (laughs) Holy cow. But he lived there. He he devoted his whole life to panther chameleons in Madagascar. Wow. Yes. That's crazy. That and he, he was he was very obsessed with plants. He he had all kinds of amazing plants. I, 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 he was a very big contributor to the reptile hobby, and not really well known because he wanted to get them out there for everybody else to recognize. So he keep he keep right. it real low profile, huh. and uh, he he had a uh, big cages set up over there in Madagascar for collections. So people that were importing. They could house them over there, and gotcha. so they were housed better. You know, at, at his collection areas versus just putting help, them in bags. Yeah, just throwing them in bags and putting them in a corner till you have enough. And so he was one over. that you wanted to import for because oh, yes. you knew his stuff was taken better care yeah. of. Yeah. Well, that whole place is un- unfortunately is losing so much forest at an alarming rate. That oh. Well, yeah. they burn it. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. They, and they're burning it on purpose. It's not like yeah. this. Right. It's, it's not, like, it's not you know, accidental dry. fires. It's yeah, no, there's straight up deforestation there. It's, yes. And it's rough. Yeah. Yes. Um, but like I said, it, it, you'll, you can always notice when uh, there's like a government change because all of a sudden like yes. giant Madagascan hog noses come in a ton or you'll find like, San, well, Sanzania you can't leave it out of there, but you can find a lot of the hog noses, chameleons will come in and right. all yes. that Madagascar stuff comes in and then it becomes hard to find for a while. 
Right. Yeah, it's whoever's in charge down there is whoever's like, okay, yeah, you can have them. I don't care. Or nope, can't have these. You yeah. Know? Right. Yeah. It, it's and and they, and they don't have a very long-standing government. It seems like they they're always yeah. changing hands in Madagascar, mm-hmm. which is a shame because. Uh, and we talked about this uh, last week or week before with um, the new movie that came out from Dave, uh, Dave Coffin about the ball pythons, about how the ball python import business has kept ball pythons alive in those areas, and they're not killing them, and they're not eating them. All the other things that don't really they don't really export kind of get eaten, and the numbers have dwindled. Right, yeah. And so Madagascar, if, if you could find a financial reason to save the rainforest, to save these animals and export them, it may do a better job at, stopping some of the deforestation because they that's really why they're doing it they just need money they're poor over there right. yeah oh yeah well, and they that think that sense. it'll rain if they catch certain parts on fire you know they'll be like it'll rain yeah it's, you know, it's, it's burn it's, and they and they and it generates rain yeah I mean. that's just it's a you know it's a cultural which is why it's so hard people get so angry at other areas of the world for that stuff happening but i'm like yeah, you get angry while you sit there and eat your Big Mac. Like it's, it's not. Right. It's yeah. hard to judge. Yeah, it just sucks. It definitely yeah, sucks. It does. It does. Yeah, I you're, mean, you're not yeah. over there. You know, I mean, yeah, the people I've seen some living conditions over there. Olaf Prunk told me about some of the living conditions they had over there. Yeah, I it's mean, sad. Yeah, there's, it's poverty. Over yeah. There. Oh yeah. It, it, yeah. It's it's it's. And it's not the poverty that we have here. No, it's, no, it's, it's it's a different it's level. No, of it's poverty. straight up like you'll you're killed, starve to death. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and you know, I mean, they're out there. They're eating whatever they can get their hands on. Yeah. You know. Which is why if if they could set up a proper import, because I I would love green sanzania. I, I freaking yes. love those, but they don't. They say there's tons of them over there. Right. And I'm like, yeah. can, we, can we get tons of them over here? Like I would really right. only yeah. like one. Um, so I think good good exporting and importing is is important. Yes, and getting exporters over there, you know, established and and taking care of the people that are doing the collecting. Yes. you know, and contributing back to the ec- economic standing over there. Yeah, giving people a reason to care for the forest. Right. That that that, that would be. I, I feel like Olaf did that. You know, from from the discussions i had with him you know he, he took he tried to take care of his employees you know and his employees would take care of this area and there's there's a uh, several new people over there there's a german a german man i can't remember his name right now but he does uh madagascar tours over there and really? he has one that's uh tour of the dragons i think is what it's called and he takes you to all these different panther the panther locale areas oh, that'd be awesome and he he hires all these local people and they go out there and they let you take pictures and you know and, and all that money that you know you put towards that goes back into their community so they can take care of their areas and in that area you know and find chameleons so people can go over there and experience it See, that's, it's that's important neat. that there's people out there. So it, it's rough when the community loses somebody who has been doing such a good thing. So this is, and this is a lot show, but I love, I love Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter. And I felt oh, like when, yeah. when he died, the way conservation went for the general public and the way animal knowledge went for the general public went in a completely different direction. Yeah, and it, it wasn't great. Off. Yeah. Just, yeah. To be, you know, I mean, it, I mean, now you have shows like, yes, he, he, he got bit and stuff on his show, but now you have shows that are strictly do. How much does it hurt to get bit by this or get stung by this? I'm like, that's not helping anybody. Like, there's no right. conservation behind that. I will say with that though is is now that his children are getting older. I hope so. And they are getting involved 
not as dramatically as he was. His son is a carbon carbon copy. But they're <laughs> they're on identical. the quieter side of the conservation, whereas what they're doing is being well known and and spread about. But they're not really in the forefront. Like yeah. it's kind of like you said, like they're trying to keep a low profile, but they're doing a great deal. Yes. For the community. Yes. yes. Oh, and you know, you know, cool. Steve Irwin, he was just out there. I yes. remember just yeah. you know, and if and if an animal bit him. He didn't bring attention to the animal biting. No, there were. There, you know, I remember it was there, like that was my it fault. Was, it was all of that yes. was my fault. Uh-huh. I remember there was a scene once he got bit by something, but he didn't say it. Like it wasn't until like halfway through the thing, like he was, oh yeah, yeah, it's bite, it's biting me. I think he was on TV or something. Yeah. Oh yeah, so interview, yeah. interview, and he's still talking. His neck, I and he's still talking. They're like, is it biting? Yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, it's biting. It's already me. been biting. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, he was not going to talk about it. He wasn't going to bring it out. But no, uh-uh. you know, I remember. I remember when I was young. uh he went to Madagascar and he was holding a big Parsons chameleon. Yeah. You know, he's very, you know, just overexcited about it, you know, talking about the chameleon and, and, and what a way to, to introduce people to different animals. Yeah. You know, is how, how he was, you know, just the, the life, you know. There's, there's two people that got me that way. I, him and David Attenborough. Like, I can listen oh, to yeah. either one of them talk about reptiles or nature or anything. I'm like, oh, it's amazing. Yes. yes. But nowadays, that's not, unfortunately, that's. It's gone into more of a. Yeah. yeah. Don't get me wrong. Steve Irwin was very big on uh, making things a lot bigger than maybe they were, but in a good way. Now it's in a sensationalistic way, and it's like right. doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah. But you still have, you still have vendors that'll let you come over and talk. Yeah. To them at their. That's table. why coming to a show is important. And yeah. you can learn all about chameleons. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I know. I'm totally to coming to check it out. <laughs> yes, we love to just tell you everything. I love we'll it. Talk to yep. you about chameleons all day. Yeah, and it's an ever ever evolving industry. You know, I mean, used to uh, let's say five five years ago, you know, the or maybe even a little longer than that was the T8 Reptisun 5.0 bulb, yeah. right? The linear bulb that was the standard across the board. And then now you got companies like the the LED, yeah, like, like yeah, Vivtech, Arcadia does stuff, but yes. And then uh, you know they they got the T5s that are out, yeah, more intense, you know. So so it, it's it's good, it's good that we're, we're well that companies are starting to see. Okay, we need to put in the research and find out what do these animals need and how can we make it better. Well, that yes. was one thing uh, Ryan McVeigh because he used to work for Zilla, and he realized he wasn't going to be able to do the stuff he wanted to do or. So he started his own company. Now he can do it the way he knows he wants to. It's one thing I like about. So his stuff is very research well, based. And like when you so if someone goes to a big box store, and always kills me when I see a chameleon in a big box store. I'm like, that's that's gonna die. Uh, but they buy it, and then the person walks him down the aisle and goes, "All right, here is your starter the kit. bulb you need because it's got a picture of a chameleon on the front of it. Yeah. Here's this and that. And it's a 120 watt reptisun or power of the sun mercury vapor yeah. bulb. Oh, no. just you know, or there's Reppy sand, and it'll have a picture of a chameleon. If you notice, they yeah. use a chameleon for a lot. Well, because it's colorful and everybody knows yep. it. Uh-huh. But like Ryan, when he named his bulbs, he didn't name it the desert bulb, the rainforest bulb. He basing it. It's like a uh, I don't want to mess with the names, but they're all based on like the amount of light they get. Cause some of them it's, are, it's no, it's not the amount of light they get. Well, it's the, time the location. Of day. Yeah, time of day on, and, all. and it's the location, like in the trees, like you have like one for animals that live on the forest shade floor. Dweller. Shade dweller. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's got the ones like crepuscular stuff that mm-hmm. barely get any light. And he basically named them for the area. I'm going to pull it up that they live in. Cause I should know this first call. That's the crepuscular. So it's like early morning or late evening when they're barely getting any sunlight. Yes. Uh, jungle cover, so that's what you expect for something that's going to be living in a canopy, and they're going to be getting light coming through. Yes. Uh, the midday blaze, and that's going to be for your 
things like your bearded dragons, your Euromastics, uh-huh. things are going out and they're laying on rocks and they're getting that midday sun. Yes. So he didn't want to go desert, jungle, and what like rainforest, right. like, like right. and right. go straight that way because unfortunately that's how some of the other ones go and they end up getting the wrong bulb because. Right, they're going to be like, well, this this chameleon likes sun, so we're going to get a desert bulb for them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that's with chameleons are so many different types. I mean, they're, oh, yeah. there are literally desert chameleons, there and is. that's not the same thing as a panther chameleon. Right, <laughs> or no. just like veiled chameleons that come from Africa, you know. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they can tolerate a lot higher of a temperature and a lot lower of a humidity, whereas like a Jackson's is a... Uh, I consider a montane species, uh, so a mountain species. More, more wet. You know, yeah. they, they, they like it humid and cooler, you know. Yeah. I mean, so so there's such a variant in environments, you know. I mean, it's like gotta, it's still a chameleon, but, Yeah, you but know. there's so many different types. <laughs> right, yeah, and we, we've been branching out. You know, I used to do Jacksons. Uh, I had a Parsons as a pet. I never attempted to breed them. That, that's, that is a passion. There, there are some. Oh, it's there coming. are some people out there <laughs> that are doing wonderful things with Parsons, and uh, and I'm excited to hopefully get into it very soon. But you know, carpet chameleons are very underestimated cool. or you know, underrated. Underrated. The pygmy ones, unfortunately, just come in like tons of import. You see, just giant piles of them. Yep. Yes. But done right, those are cool little ones. Oh, they're awesome, <laughs> and and they got a lot of personality. They all they tilt their heads around you know and they're they're pretty active too they move around quite yeah. a bit yeah i mean you have to sit there for 30 minutes to see them <laughs> move around but Chameleons they are. are definitely related to sloths i think <laughs> yeah but they, yeah, they have the whole move like a breeze and uh-huh. so it's yeah. not yep. in a hurry yep nope they want you to think don't don't look over here i'm, not, I'm a stick a or a leaf it's yeah. a leaf right. you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if you want that's why it's, it's a matter of when you research a pet you need to see what you want out of the pet yeah. Uh, yeah. And if you're wanting a super interactive something that you can hold all the time, the chameleon's probably not the direction you're going, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, panthers, I would say, are very handleable. You know, I yeah. mean, is you're not holding it, it's holding you. Yeah. You right. know, so I mean, I mean, but would you recommend, like, if a small child wants uh, something they can hold, handle? Probably depend on the age of the child. Gotcha. But, right. You know, I mean, really, it's like, look at a chameleon as living art. You know, and say you've got a parent there, and the parent's like, okay, yeah, let's get it out, and, you know, put it on its arm. I mean, it's not going to run across, you know, its arm. It's not going to jump, frail around. It's, yeah. You know, it's not going to do that. Well, that's also going to be child-specific, because yeah. our kid is 11, and nobody can seem to remember that she's 11 and treats her like she's 18. Well, yeah, so, so yeah, that's, yeah. you know, it yeah. is. It's just, yeah, you would have to <laughs> go based off your child, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, hello, you know, kids have squished hamsters in their hands. No yes. joke. So, you know. <laughs> which, again, is why it's important to find a good breeder at a show that will talk you through yeah. stuff and explain things to you, and yeah. it's not just trying to sell something to somebody to make a buck and move on. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it, yeah. It's about the animal. I mean. I mean. We we want we want all our chameleons to go to good good environments, good healthy environments. We uh, did a show right here at Herps in Oklahoma. Uh, what was that? Two weeks ago. Uh, a couple weeks ago. Whenever that was. You know. Yeah, I think and, it was. Yeah. One. Yeah, and uh, we you know we we did mostly just educational there. We just we just informed people. You know, yeah. We brought chameleons. You know. Uh, and just told people how to set them up, you know, well, what you can Well, because we get a lot up. of people that'll walk by our table, and I can hear it under their breath. They'll say, oh, no, those are too hard. And, yeah. I, and I say, wait a minute, what about it's too hard? You know, tell me. Come tell me what you think. And then they're like, oh, everything. You know, and I said, no, 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 let me break it down. It's so easy. Yeah. You know, it really is. Don't make it complicated. You yes. know, they don't need any substrate. You know, put a paper towel down on the bottom. When they poop, you clean it up. You just bought it up. Yeah, and, you and know, clean, cleanliness, you know, I mean, so, I mean, bioactive enclosures are amazing and some people can set them up right but not everybody has that 
green thumb. Yes. You know? Well, right. and I, if I got to care for the animal, I don't want to care for the plant. You know, I mean, and I can do the, one or the other. Don't yeah, ask right. me to yeah, keep I both can't alive. do both. You know, but. <laughs> and then I know folks who like love growing plants, and one reason they like it, and that's yeah. and that's why there's more than one way to to do this stuff. Which is why if someone goes, this is really hard, and maybe really hard, kept this way, this, yeah. Right. Yeah. right, but not yeah. kept this way, and they just don't know that there's another option. That there, yes. well, or that there are options. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, you don't have to have live plants. You want a live plant? Get a live plant, but you don't have to. Yeah, well, you know? Get some plastic plants and some sticks. Yes, and like, that's yeah. it. And yeah. We, yeah. we talk about this online. If if they have joined any form of a Facebook group, then they're going to see people arguing, you have oh, to do yeah. this way, oh, yeah. or you yeah. have yes. to do this way, that's and why, that's not the case. Yeah, that's why we don't post any like videos on TikTok yeah. or anything, because, I mean, you get yeah. them people are like, oh my God, why don't you have Well, I would imagine, plant? yeah, because chameleons are one of, they, they fall into that bioactive and that UV yeah. group, and those two yes. groups are... They don't get yes. along. <laughs> and, and, and there's people out there that say, don't handle them, and that's their personal experience with animals. Yeah, we, mean, we've been doing it over a decade, and... and I've we held feel they, everything. They they can be handled to an extent. I mean, you you ain't gonna go out anything there. Anything can be yeah. handled yeah. to an extent. Yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. not a dog. You know, don't expect to get a dog. And the extent you know? for each. Yeah, I don't buy. Is I don't buy a fish thinking, oh man, I, I would have got this fish, but I just can't handle this yeah. fish. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like it's. Right. I, I, there's certain each animal has its own yeah. thing. It's not gonna go sit in your lap like a little kitten. It's yeah. Not, and then you know, you know I mean, I, and people recommend people recommend different care for because they've had success that way. You know. I mean, we, we have found a way that's very successful for us, you know. And, and basic, because we want it yeah, to be easy. Yeah, we want you. it to be simple. We you know? want you simple, to enjoy easy, and, and healthy and good for the animal as well, you know. I mean, you can do an over, you know, a, a whole bioactive enclosure and, you know, proper lighting. You, need, you still need and water, you know, and, and that their basic needs still need to be there. Yes. And, and, and if it's easier, they're more likely to take care of it better. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I hear this myth out there. Uh, I might, I might actually get a little heat for this, but everybody's going to night mistings and fogging at night. Uh, I have mixed feelings about that. I'm sure that could happen in the wild. I'm not arguing that. I'm sure it does rain in the evenings or at night. Yes. But you know, I do not want to sleep in a wet bed. Do yeah. You? You know? and, and and from my past experiences, people you know people will argue this. Uh, I feel like that's a breeding ground for bacteria. You know, yeah. the, the 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 water is not evaporating quick enough. If 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 that water falls on a leaf that has some fecal matter on it and sits overnight, that's wet, and then the chameleon wakes up in the morning and drinks that water droplet, it's not healthy for them. Yeah, and uh. uh we just don't go that route. People go that route on there, and and that and they've had success on it. Uh, that's just like that's that's them doing what works for them, and you yeah. doing what works yeah, for you. So, and so so you know that, yeah. that, that just shows how resilient chameleons are. Yeah. As far as keeping, you know, they they, they require that how you can set them up differently and get the same outcome. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and there's we several want you ways to set to, it up easy. Yes. Yeah. We we want it simple, and you know. It's neat to see the animal during the day whenever you run a mister and they come down and drink the water droplets, you know. Uh, like I said at the beginning of this show, we, we feel the majority of their moisture comes from their feeders, not, yeah. back, not actually the water, you know. I mean, of course. We, they won't pass it up when it's there, but that's, they're not always getting. They're not going right. to a yeah. bowl of uh, water. I, I saw a out. picture online, you know, this is several months back, a guy. Uh, posted a picture of a chameleon drinking out of a muddy hole. He had to do that out of desperation. Yeah. 
you know, uh, that chameleon didn't travel to the ground, put himself into that situation to drink from a muddy hole. He got put in that situation due to the wild. Uh, did you see the video of the cobra that went to the village and was drinking out of the, the water bottle? Well, he got those one that he's holding a, like fills the lid with water and it comes up and it drinks it out of the lid. Like, it's like that, that, that I is think, a thirsty animal. I think yeah. one of those was like after like forest fires or something. Like it was yeah. so dry and they, yeah. you know, animals will do what they have to do. Right, to yeah. but I mean, if you look in the wild, I mean, those chameleons are they're they're prowling all day long and eating bugs all day long, and. uh you can you can tell. I mean, just how much moisture they get. I mean, they eat a variety of insects in the wild, so we need to be offering a variety of insects that we can within reason. Yeah. In captivity, you not know? just straight crickets. Yeah, yeah. Feed some dubias. Well, you know, feed some that, crickets. Go load the dubias different than you do the crickets, so they're getting new, different nutritional value. That's a lot of it is, is we try to, we love educating people on gut loading because you need to look at your feeder no matter what it is, whether it be a cricket or a dubia, as a pill pocket. So whatever it eats, your yes. chameleon is going to eat. You know, so if the healthier your bugs are, the healthier your animals are going to be. Don't put in a bunch of empty bugs that's, you know, just basically eating body parts at that point with nothing good in yeah. it. Yeah. You know, so gut loading is very important. You know, and I just love ro- lo- watching the roaches eat. <laughs> They're always so happy for and, what and, I cook. And you end up being a bug keeper along with a chameleon keeper mm-hmm. whenever you do chameleons. And then you get attached you to certain bugs. You take care of those bugs. Uh, there's so many insects out there that are amazing. Like the katydids, you yeah. know. Uh, Greenberg grasshoppers are really cool. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, Stick insects are very awesome. You know, those can also be used as a feeder. Really? Uh, prey mantis as well. Uh, Prey menace, I feel really bad when I feed them. <laughs> That's why menace. I don't feed my hissers, because I'm sad. You uh, know, yeah. I don't want to watch them so be eaten. <laughs> you know, but, you know, they, they can eat a variety of insects. I, I've seen some videos of people walking through Madagascar, and there's so many different types of insects there, and they're eating all of them. Uh, there's certain localities that are found in orchards that are grown over there, and you'll see the baby chameleons hanging out in bushes, eating off the rotten fruit, the fruit flies, oh, wow. and, and beetles and stuff like that. So it's really neat. They're eating all these little beetles, and they're opportunistic at that point because they're babies, and they're just trying Anything to Anything small them. that goes by, stick your tongue out and grab it. Yep, yep, yep. yep. That's cool. <laughs> we have kept you guys yes. for a lot longer than we anticipated, so I know y'all are... Because we, I, we like to talk. I was going to say, I cannot thank y'all enough, though. We've I've learned a ton. Sean Gray's son, Peyton's over there having to talk I, to people. Yeah, so yeah, we'll yeah he's at our table. We'll let you go back to, to educating some people all and all right. that. But if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that? So type in Reddy's Rainforest on either Instagram or Facebook. R-E-A-D-Y apostrophe S. Well, no posture. Well, yeah, no, yeah, not but, online, but yeah. But Reddy's spelled the way you spell Reddy. Yep, ready yep. to go. Because our last name is Reddy. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, I live in a rainforest. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but yeah, and if you're at a, a show nearby, go by, talk to them, and they'll tell you all about the chameleon. Yes, that's all we want to do is tell you how to set them up right and that they're awesome. easy. I love it. That is awesome. Thank you all for coming on. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. No, we'll be back later with another interview. Bye.